It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live.
lights are on and nobody's home. Hey, I'm back. Good to hear. Good to hear you. I. 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 Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, I think Gus's call end, and that's what kind of quieted my call down. And then everybody left my call to go to Gus's call, and it's not even on. Well, what the heck? You feel left out? I don't know. I don't even. I don't even quite understand what was going on. That was weird. I had oh, I had nineteen people on my, I had nineteen people on my call. I checked Gus's call. There was like thirty four people, and then I come back to my call, and Gus is talking on my call, but there's still only nineteen people, and Gus wasn't one of them. That's freaking weird. Yeah. Yeah, like the two were were joined somehow through that. Cyber, whatever. Yeah. How's the weather out there? Uh, it was nice and sunny today. Uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it was sort of warm, I guess. Still yeah, snow on the ground. No, we got a bit of snow today and some wind, but uh, been like freaking plus six. Plus five. It's really weird for this time of year, eh? Last year was just a bitch. Winter yeah, came last year. Good. Yeah, we've had pretty What's screwy that? winter for a while now. You too? Yeah. Huh. Hey, what do you think of uh, the phrase? In order to, does okay. that kind of, if a fellow was going to put in writing, uh, I want to, I basically, I, I, I'm writing you today in order to draw your attention to those three words, in order to, I was going to. Present that question to some folks and see what they had to think. In order to, which in my mind it kind of makes reference to, uh, <clears throat> I'm doing this in order to. I'm doing this to facilitate something else uh, to put into practice or put into maybe into force. You know, order is a fairly strong word. I think maybe I don't want to offend this guy. <clears throat> So I, well, I haven't put it in. Order also means like, like everything is like in order, like a That's certain right. arrangement. That's right. Yeah, I can't remember. I I looked up order. I think it was in Webster's eighteen twenty eight, and there was a bunch of different 
different uses of the word order. For some reason, I can't remember them, but I was kind of surprised. I was reading it, and I never really thought about how many different uses there was for the same word. Yeah, I got a, uh, I don't have Webster's 1828, but uh, I have a two-volume. They're about, well, yeah, it's almost two inches thick, each of them. One goes A to resource, and the other one goes respect to Zimmergy. Which I didn't even know was a word. The hell is energy? What is the word? I'm gonna look it up here because I've never heard it. The last word in this dictionary is energy. Yeah, I don't know. Zimergy, that part of chemistry which treats of the scientific principles of winemaking, brewing, distilling, and the preparation of yeast and vinegar. There you go. As dictionary... uh, Is from the 60s, I think, or 50s. And uh, it's got color pictures in the back of wildlife, like uh, historical writings and such, pictures, all kinds of stuff. Business law, secretarial information. I, I quite like it. learning all kinds of different applications for words. Nobody else is on or what? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not on the board right now. I'm trying to do a couple other things. But oh, I, I'm uh, Yeah, I've, I find words and the English language very interesting now. I never... Never thought that words could be so interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, even like two years ago, I had no idea that studying... I I, I never thought that I would ever be studying law, politics, or religion. And I certainly had no idea it would be so exciting. Yeah, it's difficult in my my particular circumstance here. It's uh, difficult for me to find anyone else that shares that interest uh, at all. I don't have, I mean, I'm a busy guy too, but it's by predicament, I guess, of circumstance. Circumstance is a hell of a word, actually. I looked that one up today. I used that one. Have you checked into that? Well, what is it? Circumstance. No, I don't think I've really looked into that one. 
got a lot of different applications, if I recall correctly. According to this dictionary, at least, anyway. So nobody figured out, uh, huh? Yeah, me, you, and Terry are on the phone, and Melissa and V-Call are on the board. I'm sorry, I didn't understand you, Mike. What was that? Um, me, you, and Terry are on the phone, and Vital and Melissa are on the board. When you say the board, what are you referring to? Chat board on the computer? You don't know about the chat board? Uh, I heard about it, but I think somebody mentioned Skype, and I kind of looked into that a bit. But No, go, uh, go to TalkShoe.com. And then you type the call ID number into the search window. And then you'll see a list of calls and and my call will be on there. You click on my call. And then there'll be a purple rectangle that says join now. And you click on that. And then there's a, a little screen where you, where you type your message into a window and it posts it up for everybody to read it. So people can talk really? back and like, type back and forth messages to each other. Oh, yeah. That way, too, if you want to get on the call and you don't want to speak, but you just want to listen, you can just go through that site and join his as a guest. You can listen and you can I chat, see. like, on the board, but you can't really speak unless you actually call in. <clears throat> I wonder if a guy can call in and still access that board at the same time on this yep. fancy smartphone. Oh, uh, both on the phone at the same time. I'm not sure if you can do that or not. There's a delay. The board, I think, is like anywhere from two to ten second delay. I think he means go on the chat board with his phone and talk on his phone at the same time. Oh. Yeah, I'm not, not entirely sure. I'm on this call entirely on the computer, so... Not even using a phone to call in. <coughs> Look at that. I still got a track in my truck, son of a gun. What is all of this stuff anyway? Hey, me too. Yeah, I had to get rid of my eight track. It pissed me off. I uh I put an eight track in and it would chew it up. And then I'd put another one in and it would chew it up. And then I'd go and I'd buy a new eight track player, I'd put an eight track in and it would chew it up. I said oh, I had enough of this. <laughs> I got that fancy CD player in the welding rig and the damn thing won't eject the CD. I took it into the Dodge boys there and he says, well, what does a guy do? He says, well, we just replace him. Take the whole freaking thing out. Say, oh, this is bullshit. Well, you could listen to Cindy Lauper for the next 30 years. 
Uh, I don't think that's in the in the book either. <laughs> Whalen, though. Whalen, I think, is stuck in there. That's okay. Yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, Whalen and Johnny. I like that. And, uh, what's the Fred Eagle Smith and the Flying Squirrels. <laughs> nope. I'm not kidding you. It's just, I don't know. I got this CD from somebody and this, uh, whatever DVD. And, uh, Man, are his songs awesome. Like, they tell a story, and they are freaking hilarious. That's, I, I like that, anyway. If you ever, I don't know what he does. He's just a one-man band, or a, he's got a few guys, I guess. But. Yeah, I'll check it out. Red Eagle, Smith, and the Flying Squirrels? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I don't know. That's years ago I got that, like maybe five four years ago, but, uh, and I don't know, I, I mean, I don't buy music, I don't, I don't even listen to music, really, you know, in the truck, sometimes I'll maybe put a CD in if a guy's going for a long ride, but, brain's always working, I don't have time for that. So you want to, anybody interested in hearing a, <clears throat> a uh, I don't know what I would call it, a letter? <laughs> Is the letter that bad? You didn't even know if you could call it a letter? <laughs> <laughs> well, due to the circumstances, I don't know if I should call it a letter or like the uh, the words on paper that are going to land a guy's ass in the freaking big house or uh what should i call it i don't know well, you I didn't use, you didn't you didn't write stuff in it like so help you god or anything did you <laughs> well uh, not yet but i'm not quite <laughs> not quite finished that i'm leaving that part to the end where i gotta somehow somehow put uh politely and kindly like I think it was you, Mike, who says, "Well, you got to kind of." I think it was one on one of your calls where you said, "You have to kind of politely let the judge know that you know that he's practicing law from the bench, but without embarrassing him, but in enough way that he knows that you know and he'll stop." Type thing. Yeah. And that's kind of what I have to. I'm trying to come up with the, the words. I've been working on this thing since, oh, I don't know. I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, I guess, but considering I'm writing the man Earl, where's that black robe that apparently has convinced those underneath him that they need to haul my ass into jail to be brought before the court to be dealt with according to the law. Yikes. I'm scared. <laughs> well, I haven't traveled too far as far that way. Yeah, so I got to be fairly... Uh, it's just a freaking traffic ticket. Like, Yeah, one thing, if the uh, judge is practicing law from the bench, 
you could ask him if that question is coming from the bench or is that question coming from the prosecutor? Yeah, that would be one way to do it. It's still... I don't know it, how it sounds, Yeah, it kind of <laughs> sounds ugly when you flat out ask him, are you practicing law from the bench? But you could ask him, is, are you asking that question or is the prosecutor asking that question? Or say the other side instead of the prosecutor. Yeah. Is that question coming from you or is that question coming from the other side? He might get the hint. Yeah. Yeah, I went over a few circumstances here and I think there's a, well, if it looks and walks and parts like a duck, it ain't a muskrat. Yeah, I smell duck. You like that one, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Could be a muskrat in a duck suit. That'd be a pretty hard to walk that muskrat, I think. <laughs> hey, did you hear about that Jason fellow that Carl was yakking about there? I I wasn't sure who he was talking about. I heard him talk about a Jason from Canada, but I don't know really what what he was talking about. Um, yeah, I don't know who he was referring to other than the man's name is Jason. Um, but apparently, from what I gather, anyway, this Jason fella picked up on some of Carl's stuff and apparently may have received some assistance from Carl in a letter to CRA. And, uh, what I remember, there was 572 guys, or men and women, whoever, who, uh, I guess, filed claims or questions or something. So, based on that letter, which is uh, encouraging if folks are like you, you referred to uh, prohibition and what got that changed. And that's in reality, that's really what it is. People, I think people need to treat people like people again. And uh, what I observed, I made mention in a conversation today was we, we at the time, me and the woman I was speaking with, we were talking about, you know, uh, what changed and when it changed, basically. Uh, one of the significant changes that was mentioned was the uh, in the 1900s, in the early 1900s, uh, 20s, 30s, around the Depression, of course, but also um, I think that's when the bank actor. You ever heard of the creature from Jekyll Island? Yeah, I I never. Uh... I never read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I've never read it either. But anyway, at that time, I think um, basically in the early 1900s, what was strong then is very weak now. And what is very strong now was very weak back in the 1900s. It's like it's a flip in the early 
1900s, morality, um, values, character, you know, a handshake, I presume, as I read, you know, it meant something. If you said something, you damn well better honor it. You know, there might have a little bit of lead poisoning. And was that like yeah? Uh, was that like the start of the Federal Reserve? Is that is that what all that was about? Uh, well, that wasn't part of the conversation that I'm referring to, but yeah, that that was uh, that was an interesting. Inter- I, I saw some information on that on the uh, on YouTube, I believe. I haven't researched it all. It was a it's basically a. My interest in that was basically a passing interest in kind of realizing that, yeah, that is a duck. My guts told me that, yeah, I mean, something probably was shady about that whole event anyway. And somebody apparently, or many people researched it and came came up with uh, their perspective on what was occurring, I guess. Yeah, myself, I don't really... uh... I don't really give a rat's ass about the Federal Reserve and fiat currency and the Banking Act and the Federal Reserve Act and all that crap. But if I remember correctly, a bunch of fancy pants uh, bankers and stuff went to some island, uh, well, a little before 1913, and they plotted out the uh, Federal Reserve banking scheme and it was enacted in 1913. I don't know if that's exactly yeah. what the creature from Jekyll Island was, but I, if I remember correctly, I think that's what all that was about, the, the beginning of the Federal Reserve. Yeah, as I recall, uh, yeah, it was whatever they signed into, I guess what they call law or act or whatever the hell, that was the creature that was produced on that island, yeah. If uh, if folks back in that time had the, I guess, ability to communicate with the ease that we do now, I think things would would have probably gone a little different. Because well, I think I find it a little bit embarrassing. We have all this technology and like I can talk to people in UK, China. Australia on Skype for free anytime I choose and somehow all us stupid people can't get our shit together and enact a little bit of change and I think it's kind of embarrassing we have all this means of communication and we don't even talk to our neighbors anymore yeah I don't know it's just weird people don't know how to treat people anymore Nobody knows how to no. love their neighbor. Nobody knows how to how to not even show compassion or anything anymore. It's just I don't know. I yeah, think about I it, it me a little bit that we're just I don't know, so afraid of each other, so distrusted, distrusting, and I don't even know what's going on these days. But definitely something's not right. We're supposed to be changing the system, blah blah blah, and nobody wants to even change themselves. Uh, That's I, interesting. 
or am I muted? No, I can hear you. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I thought you were finished. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, that's just rambling, I guess. <laughs> Nothing really important. Yeah, no, I was going to comment on that. You mentioned, uh, you know, trust their neighbors and such, and that is, it's a, a sad state of affairs, but it's a reality, um, even out here in the sticks, I think. Well, I'm not really that far in the sticks, but um, but when you make mention of the technology and the ability to communicate, you know, by telephone or internet or on the computer, anybody who's doing so, like myself, I mean, we're sitting here by the wood stove. I got my puppy dog. We're in, you know, relative seclusion and uh, basically a comfort zone. And in order for folks to talk to each other or shake hands or help the neighbor out and such like that, which you don't know probably, or you don't really know, you know, what's going on, it exposes oneself to perhaps something they're not aware of or not familiar with, which typically generates maybe a little bit of suspicion or maybe perhaps fear underlying even. I don't know. And I think back back in the day, I can use that phrase, folks were more dependent on each other. You expected your neighbor to come and help you when your barn was burning down. You know, when you went to help your neighbor when his cow got out or when the the cat was preying on the calves or something, right? Or well, what happened in the old days when people used to go knock on their neighbor's door and borrow a cup of sugar? Nobody does that yeah. shit anymore. Half the people don't even know the guy living right next door to them. <clears throat> yeah, I lived in an apartment some years back, and I, 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 that's, yeah, same deal. But a lot of them folks, well, I don't know. I guess at that age, also, I probably didn't really give too much of a shit about my neighbor at that time either as far as wanting to get to know him. Did you guys want my opinion on that? Yep, go for it. This is James, by the way. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. I, uh, my thoughts are that I, I, you slowly see a decline of that like over, over each decade, and I believe it's directly related to the fact that there's more and more people that are um, losing their jobs and uh, getting out of work, and they're coming on hard times. And so what they do is they start closing up. They start isolating themselves from society because they're embarrassed and ashamed that they're struggling and unable to provide for their families. So you'll see in the neighborhoods, there's like, oh, this one house, you know, went into foreclosure, boom, they're gone. Um, I had a next-door neighbor that I loved with all my heart. They're just... Uh, most beautiful couple. They're probably like, you know, 55, 60 years old and just the sweetest, most loving people. I talk to them every single day. Um, and she had this huge hospital bill. She had some difficulties with her surgeries and stuff. And they ran up a huge doctor bill, you know, well over a hundred thousand dollars or 180,000 or something like that. And, and, uh, you know, that on top of their mortgage, it was difficult for them. And then they had this tax bill come in, and it just killed them. So 
they went to the bank to see if they could uh, refinance, and the bank says, no, nope, we can't work with you. We need the money now or we'll foreclose them. So they had to foreclose on the house and they had to leave. And so the house got foreclosed on, and uh, they did everything they could to try to make the payment. You know, he's working his tail off, and uh, I've called them 10, 20, you know, or more times, and they won't answer their phone. They, It's like they're so ashamed or so embarrassed, you know, that uh, they don't want to talk to me anymore. I'm like, it's okay. I'm like, I even offered my house to them. I said, you guys can come and stay here and until you get back on your feet. i got enough room for you. Stay here with me. No, nope, it's because I think they become ashamed or embarrassed and then they don't want to show their face. And I think that's happening to society all over all over the country. There's just so many people that are losing their jobs and, and they, they're just closing up, closing their doors. They don't want to talk to their neighbor. They don't want to see them. You know, when they're going into hard times, if they're you know, having difficulties with their loved ones or their children or, you know, if they're going through, you know, getting ready to get divorced because, you know, they're having financial difficulties or whatever it might be, who knows. But like I said, I think the more that happens, the more people close up and that you're missing out on the way it used to be back in like the 50s and 60s and 70s, you know, where people would help out, you know, their local neighbor, you know, who was a farmer that the barn blew down, they the whole, everybody would come in and help rebuild the barn. Or if you needed sugar from your neighbor, you know, you wouldn't hesitate to go over and get sugar or milk or whatever you needed from your neighbors. You just, you know, ask for tools, whatever you needed. We were always there. But now I notice, like, all my neighbors around in this neighborhood, nobody comes outside. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is like, because I've lived in the same neighborhood for 22 years now. And so I've I've been here from day one, and there's only two of us left. And all the new ones, they're just a bunch of loners. They, they stay in the house. They don't come out. And you don't ever see them. Crazy. Yeah, Jamie. Sorry. Is that That's Jamie right. talking? This is James. Yeah. No, oh, James, sorry. As Jeff here. Yeah, I, I was going to comment uh, depression, I think, is a, a reality, and for sure I think it would affect mm-hmm. one's uh, view of themselves and self and ego, I suppose, and how they interact with other folks. But I would take it one step further. If... Uh, if it's easier to flip on the TV or whatever after a day's sure. of work, mm-hmm. put a beer in the hand, and perhaps that's what you're seeing in your neighborhood. You know, uh, we don't, all of our, well, I don't know, I, I, I'm not part of that group, thankfully. But I think it's a common. I'll take it another step further and say part of the problem mm-hmm. is when they go home, have a beer, and watch the TV, they're watching the news. They're like, holy shit, look at all the crime out there. I can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah, at the root, though, felt probably the breakdown of, in the way I view it, at least, for my opinion, is a breakdown in family, family values. That's mm-hmm. huge, I yeah. think. I think that's a really big part of it, too. Yeah, you look at two shows I, I ask you to just compare. Compare the Brady Bunch from the 70s to Glee of the 21st century where they promote homosexuality and gay relationships and it's crazy what what they're actually trying to get away with on that show compared to the, you know, honest to goodness 
uh, family core values that uh, Sherwood Schwartz had with the Brady Bunch. Two complete different, uh, two different complete manipulations of the public. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I think another another thing too is uh, people have to keep up with the Joneses, and they're getting taxed to the teeth. So mm-hmm. now they got to work, 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 and more work just to pay bills and uh, not look like uh, the poorest family on the street. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of factors that are kind of ruin the way we live. It happens over a couple of generations, though, and loss of values and communication, et cetera. I think uh, probably, probably like grandpa did it one way and then his kids like my parents let's say mm-hmm. uh were busy with whatever and too busy to pay attention of what the government was doing perhaps and uh say take from the 30s uh, all of a sudden the fellow needed a driver's license so what the hell you know but the communication wasn't there so that they couldn't get you know perhaps i presume the communication wasn't there. Perhaps the awareness or mentality, not saying that folks weren't smart back then, but perhaps the awareness um, or the perception of maybe the suspicion wasn't there. Maybe there wasn't enough evidence to past experience for anybody to be suspicious. You know, I don't know about suddenly becoming a well, with some of you as a slave. But in a couple of generations, that suddenly becomes normal because parents did it. And, well, grandparents, well, did the grandparents do it? Uh, I'm not sure, but this is the way it has to be done because the Joneses are doing it. And mm-hmm. It says right here, this piece of paper says right here, well, hang on a minute. That paper, I can't hear it talking. And back in the day when the warden got home, uh, he'd say something and Beaver would do it. He wouldn't mouth off to his dad. He would, his dad wouldn't let him go running around all hours of the night smoking dope and drinking beer and who knows what else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody even gives a shit what their kids are doing anymore. Getting knocked up at 14 years old and it's no big deal because mom got knocked up when she was 16. It's just normal now. Wow, that sounds like well, you know, uh, in in the way that you're saying it there, Mike, I agree. However, um, and I I think that that's a problem due to irresponsibility now. Like it's it's viewed in disdain, basically, or by some people. But uh, if I read correctly, and if I read, if I recall correctly, um, I guess that would would have been in the pioneer era, perhaps, or slightly after that, um, you know, uh, young girls and young boys or young men were getting married at quite young ages. I don't know if that was due to necessity or what, but I, I think I recall reading that it was quite common at one point in time for uh, girls to be married and sometimes with kids by 15 and 16 running a household. 
Yeah, but see, that's different. They're married and running a household. They're not having four kids with three guys by the time they're 26. Yeah, that's right. And where's my check? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I can't really say a whole lot because I was uh, pretty much the opposite of a model kid back in my day, but there were certain things I knew you just don't do. Now it seems kids don't care. Like, I, I see uh, kids on the bus cussing their faces off right in front of 80-year-old ladies. They don't care. Just mm-hmm. no no respect, nothing. Hmm. Like, back in the day, well, my dad never took the bus, but back in the day, if I didn't get up and let an old lady sit in my seat, my dad would give me a backhander. I knew what it was for. Sure. I was right there with you. That's, that's the way my dad was. Like, I don't really, uh, like, I've, I've never, never laid a hand on my daughter, but I don't know. I, she She's a good kid. She listens. Like, I'm actually surprised how good she is, but, uh, like, me and her mom are different. Her mom, uh, her mom operates on, under the, um, I guess you'd say the reward slash punishment routine where... If she brushed her teeth, she'd get a gold star. If she cleaned her room, she'd get a toy on Friday, like stuff like that. Got it. And uh, she would get grounded and all this other stuff. And I, I never did any of that. I didn't, I didn't ground my daughter. I didn't yell at her. Um, at her mom's house, she obeyed the rules because she would get punished if she didn't. At my house. She just did what she was supposed to do. It was more, more at my house. It was more love and respect and trust, whereas her at her mom's house, it was kind of conform out of fear. So, yeah. mom has to order her around and make her do this, make her do that, and it's not a very fun place for her to be. She loves coming to my house. Like her mom would call me up and go, "Oh, Chloe told me today that." Uh, she doesn't have to clean up her messes at, at at your house. You clean them up for her. You're not teaching her any responsibility. And I'm like, she said, I clean the mess up. And she said, well, you clean up most of it. She just kind of helps a bit. And I'm like, did you ever think of the fact that instead of putting her in front of the TV with a puzzle, I actually sit with her and draw pictures and write stories together and when it's time to clean up the mess, it's partly my mess, and that's why I'm helping her clean it up. And she gets all mad, and then she goes, and Chloe told told me that you don't have any rules at your house. I'm like, that's right. She doesn't do anything wrong, so why would I slap rules on her? And it's her, I don't know, it's just we're completely opposite the way we raise her, which is kind of, I don't know, I'm, I believe I'm doing it the right way. I don't know if she believes she's doing it the right way, but. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be an asshole to my daughter just because her mother is. How old is your daughter now? Nine. Nine. I know kids really thrive in structured environments, um, but when you're at home, uh, I think you need to loosen those up a bit. I think uh, you have your set uh, rules, boundaries, and limitations, and you truly lead by example. Like if you wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. Every time, she's going to do the same thing because she's going to follow you. She's going to, you're leading by example. 
if you wash your hands before dinner, if you take your plates to the dishes and rinse them off, she's going to follow you because you lead by example. You know, you're you're not going to say, you have to do this, or if you do this, I'm going to give you a gold star. If you put your dishes away, I'm going to give you a gold star. You know, you don't have to do that. Lead by example. Yeah, you know like I... I uh, That's how you create your... Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't believe in giving her a reward for brushing her teeth because right. that's something she has to do. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to reward her for doing what she has to do. But if she's good all week, I'll buy her toys no problem. I spoil the living crap out of her because she deserves it. And she knows that she has to take care of her toys because if she starts breaking all her toys, I'm going to stop buying her toys. She's mm-hmm. not stupid. She understands. Mhm. But, I don't know, doing the right thing because you're going to get a prize at the end, it just doesn't make sense to me. I agree. But her mom, I don't know, it annoys me. Her mom will say, oh, if you, if you keep your room clean all week, I'll buy you that doll on Saturday. And she keeps her room clean all week, and then Saturday comes, Mom, where's that doll you were going to get me? Oh, I don't have any money right now. Maybe next week. I'm like, are you serious? You can't do you that. Lose your trust. You're losing your trust in her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't well, know. Uh, like when my when my daughter does something, I'll say, hey, sweetie, why did you do this? And you see the look on her face like, oh, crap, I just disappointed daddy. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. I don't have to yell at her. I don't have to ground her. She knows. I don't have to tell her anything twice. I ask her once. And she does it. Like I, I don't know. I just, I just don't understand the way her mom thinks that she's doing the right thing. But whatever, I'm not the boss of her house. There's not really anything I can say. Usually, it happens. It's because that's the way that they were raised, and so it's usually a monkey see, monkey do kind of a society. So most people raise their children the way their parents raise them. And if there's certain things that they didn't like and they want to change, they'll change that. But the majority of the things, you know, the concept or the way that they, they raise their children was the way that they were raised. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's normally the case, but yeah, I'm, I'm different. I, uh, was her mother like that? Um, I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. My my parents were kind of weird. My mom didn't really care what we did a whole lot, but mm-hmm. my dad was a serious asshole. Mm. So I don't know. I uh, when I was younger, both my parents were hardcore alcoholics, and I swore to myself that I would never raise my kids the way I was raised, and mm-hmm. I just never did. Got it. Yeah, my dad didn't have to raise his hand too often to us at all. It was, my mom was the ass whooper. He was funny. My, my dad was a serious asshole. Really? Yeah, everybody, like, he would, me and my dad didn't get along very well because uh, every time he barked, people would jump. Mm-hmm. And I would just laugh and say, Why? And he would get so freaking mad because I was the only one in the house that had any balls. Like, if he was just being an asshole for no reason, I'd be like, whatever. He hated that. I had one of my um, 
my neighbors was like that. He was a, a, a chief of courthouse security uh, several years ago, and uh, he would come home for lunch or whatever. And I remember his uh, wife was out in the front yard planting flowers, and you could hear him just screaming. He goes, "Get me a sandwich, woman!" <laughs> my other neighbor says. If he ever talked to me that way, I'd go in there and I'd slap his head so hard and had to be spinning that I'd be gone the next day. No one would ever talk to me that way. But that's the way he talks to his wife. Just really commanding. He's very forceful. When he goes to shake your hand, he like almost crushes it and he'll like grab you and yank you and pull you towards him and throw you out of balance and stuff. Just to kind of show his authority, like he's a master and tough guy. So I can Sometimes see when I was being bad, my mom would tell me to go sit in my room, wait for my dad to get home. Mm-hmm. It's funny now, but it, it was terrible at the time. But he would uh, he'd get home, I'd, I'd hear the car pull up, and I'd be shitting my pants. And mm-hmm. my dad would come down the hall, and he'd open the door just like about a foot and he would just sit there and stare at me and I just put my head down I'd stare at the floor and I could feel his eyeballs burning a hole right through my head and he just Mm -hmm. sit there and stare at me it was probably for like five minutes and it felt like an hour I was like Mm -hmm. you asshole and just come in here and whap me Mm. yeah that that stare that that was worse than getting a spank and I remember that stare it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. now but I hated it back then wouldn't say a frickin' word. He'd just stare me down. Hmm. I only had a stare down once in my life, and I, my dad made me feel so bad. He, he was like, because I, I guess I talked back to my mother once, and he told me to knock it off. Otherwise, he'd come in after me, and I guess my mom stuck her nose in. I was having a conversation with my brother, and my mom stuck her nose in and started saying something. I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Just shut up. Oh my God! My dad flew out of the other room and just got run full throttle at me and grabbed me and slammed me up against the wall and just stared at me. You know, oh my God, he was so mad. And uh, just the fact that him looking at me, staring me down like that, uh, I just felt so guilty. I felt so bad, so I went in and apologized to my mom. But yeah, I only had one one thing. Like I, mean, I can imagine what it'd be like if if that's the way he was like all the time with you. It had to be horrible. Yeah, I guess in I guess in a way it was kind of good because now I know not how not to be. Mhm. That's true. <laughs> but I definitely got a mean streak in me. I got to work real hard to control my temper sometimes. Really, I would never tell by talking to you. Yeah, I, uh, I was super busy, like. Uh, I don't know, maybe like a month ago, a little more than a month. And I was mm-hmm. just way too high strung. I was snapping all over the place. I kind of had to slow down for a bit and just take a break. But I've been mm-hmm. uh, working real hard to try and stay polite and calm. I think for the most part, I, I'm i um, pretty calm, uh, you know, under high stress area. Um, topics or whatever, but there's certain things that happen, you know, and obviously, like, 
stuff that's happening right now is obviously causing a tremendous amount of stress in my life. And I think I've, over the last couple months, two or three months, I've lost like 26, 27 pounds. It's just horrible. I can't believe how much stress this, all this stuff is causing on me. All the stuff that's happening between me and my wife and, and then now this whole case that's happening to me. <clears throat> yeah, people aren't supposed to be stressed out all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worrying and stress, it causes all kinds of problems for people. It's like today, I had my court case today, and in my mind, I had every, you know, I had all the scenarios planned out, and I figured this was going to be, you know, it would go pretty well, and I went in there, it didn't go anything like I thought it was. It was horrible. It is, she just kind of like steamrolled right over me and, you know, didn't care anything I had to say, and it was, it was crazy, and, and she ended up, you know, putting in a plea for me of uh, not guilty. And so, you know, at the end, I said, so uh, you're accepting uh, full commercial liability, you know, for the uh, defendant? And she just kept talking as though I didn't even exist. And she went right through it. And and she said, if I don't show up, you know, for the court case, a warrant will be issued for me. She just, like, just talked right over, right through me. So obviously I didn't do any, I didn't, something I did was wrong. And I think what I did was wrong, that was wrong was um I say I wanna say that I I acknowledged the um uh state's attorney or whatever you want to call it. You know when he st- when he went to go stand up I, I immediately said object I object and uh everyone's going, Ooh, oh my god you know, 'cause I uh he was trying to talk or whatever and I said um, I noticed that, uh, you know, he's he has no party to this case. I, I noticed he hasn't been sworn in. Uh, I require that the man acting as a state's attorney uh, swear in uh, under oath with his full commercial liabilities under penalty of perjury. And the judge says he doesn't have to swear in. I'm like, what? I'm like, I require that he swears in. He, it's not necessary for him to swear in. And so what... I took after everything was done was this is his case. I'm sticking my nose in his case. I don't belong sticking my nose in his case. That means I lower myself to his level. So, you know, by listening to Carl, I should have just shut my mouth and let him do whatever he wants to do, whatever. But they're asking me if I wanted to listen to his plea or hear what he has to plea or what he has to say. His plea bargain. And I said, I don't even, I don't acknowledge him. I, you know, He's a third party. I don't. I don't know who this man is. I don't know what his um, role is. He just, like I said, you ran in your own. Ran right over. What's that? Were you holding your own court or trying to there? Were you prosecuting your own case? No, no. I um, I went in. It was a an arraignment. So I went in there for the arraignment. Uh, she called off the name and said I was here for that matter. I, when I stepped up, I said I was um, I am in uh, state of my name. I stylized how I wanted my name um, to assure that it, it uh, was all lowercase letters and not the um, uh, corporation. 
uh, said that I was a private quarter record and uh, I was there by special appearance, the whole thing. She says, I don't understand that. I don't understand special appearance. What does that mean? I said, I wasn't here by general appearance. I'm here by special appearance. And so, anyway, she just, like, continued talking. She wanted to, uh, she was asking me questions, like, uh, she wanted me to fill out an application. I said, why would I do something like that? And she says, well, if you need an attorney. I said, why would I need an attorney? Oh, so you're going to represent yourself? And I said, why would I want to represent myself when I can just present myself? And so then she started thinking I was a smartass. You know, so now she's getting pissed off at me because I'm, like, coming back with all these, you know, come back, everything she says, I'm, i got to come back for it. And I'm like, shit, this isn't going the way I want it to go. And so she asked me how old I was. She wanted to know something about if I was competent, you know, if I'm going to be um, my own attorney. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be my own attorney. Why would I want to be an attorney, you know? And she just kept going on. She kept saying the words, you know, she said all these keywords. <laughs> attorneys and persons and all these things, you know, just, it was, I knew all the words she was saying and I knew that none of them applied to me, but then she started talking to the state's attorney and asked him, you know, what uh, he offered, you know, what the state was offering or whatever, because it was my first defense or whatever. So when he went to go stand up and start talking, I immediately shut him up. I immediately objected. And that things kind of went downhill, you know, from there. And, uh, she was even nodding to him. Uh, she was like, she looked over at him and, and uh, you know, because he had said something about his plea. She goes, he, does the state wish to um, uh, offer a plea for the uh, defendant? Uh, and she was shaking her head no, and she uh, lip-synced the words, no, you don't want to do that. And so, and then the, um, the bailiff, the officer of the court was shaking and said, no, no, don't do it. You know, he didn't he didn't say the words no, but he was shaking his head no and lip syncing the words no. And so then the uh the um state's attorney said, No, Your Honor and then uh she goes, Okay, you can sit down and then he sat down and then she took care of it after that. And I'm like, Shit, that this isn't going anyway <laughs> the way I thought it was. I'm like, damn. I'm like, I didn't and when she said that she was putting in the plea for not guilty, I'm like, I don't want that. I'm like that's dishonorable. I'm like, that's, this isn't working out anyway that I, anything like the way I wanted it to. I'm like, shit. So she just like set me up for a court date. And I'm like, this isn't right. So I was going to put my paperwork into the court. And I'm like, they they wouldn't even acknowledge that I had paperwork sitting there ready to put into the court. But statutory court. It was a, um, what's a five court division? No, not division five. What is it called? Article five court, which is the, um, I don't know, it, uh, county criminal court. Is that what it's called? County, yeah. I don't know. You're on the call with a bunch of Canucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand your guys' court systems down there. All this circuit court and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. I don't know. I, I have a hard time uh, figuring out our court system. Yeah, me too. I don't quite understand it either. 
I actually I can't quite I don't understand any of it. So yeah, that uh, that guy Mo, he sent me uh, an audio of him in court one day uh, aiding and assisting his fellow man, mm-hmm. and uh, when he puts his paperwork in, he refers to his paperwork as the court of record. And I'm listening to this audio, and mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, I know this is how you're supposed to act in court, and I know it's this easy, but listening to it, holy crap, it really is that easy. And he, he was in there represent, or he was there assisting this guy, and the judge goes, uh, yeah, last time you were here, Judge Gregory issued uh, issued a warrant, but it was to be remanded until today. It was a warrant for your arrest for not answering questions, but it was remanded until today to give you the opportunity to come in and answer the barrister's questions. And he goes, oh, first, back up. It was hilarious. She goes, uh, she goes, well, sir, how would you like, how would you like me, how would you like to be addressed? And he said, as a man. And then the judge goes, okay, a man. And then she went on about the uh, last time Judge Gregory issued an order, it was remanded till today until, uh, so you could have an opportunity to answer the barrister's questions. And if you don't answer these questions, I will issue a warrant for your arrest. And then she goes, are you going to answer the barrister's questions? And he goes, please refer to the court of record. And then she starts talking to the barrister or whatever, and they're talking back and forth. And then uh, she said again, some about I'm going to issue a warrant for your arrest today. If you don't answer the barrister's questions, a man, are you going to answer the barrister's questions? She kept referring to him as a man. And then uh, he just kept saying, uh, please refer to the court of record. Please refer to the court of record. Please refer to the court of record. And then she goes, I'm issuing you a warrant. I'm issuing a warrant for a man's arrest. And uh, something about it will be remanded, blah, blah, blah. And then the barrister goes, Your Honor, why can't you just issue the warrant today? And she goes, I can't issue the warrant today. It will be remanded. And if you do not answer these the barrister's questions next time, there will be uh, an, an, a warrant issued for your arrest. And so I guess next time he's going to go back to court and she, she's going to say, man, uh, I'm going to issue a warrant for your arrest if you don't answer the barrister's questions. Are you going to answer the barrister's questions? And he's going to say, please refer to the court of record. They... She issued a bench warrant, but it was remanded until next time he comes to court. They just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. That's all That's he kept so saying. They weren't. They were. They were. I think. Uh, I think Mo answered a couple of questions, but it was mostly please refer to the court of record. And for us listening yeah, to Carl over here, it's just have you? Did you receive my paperwork? Did you understand my paperwork? Right. So your paperwork already has to be in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That yeah. way you don't have to open your mouth. Right. See, that's um, 
all that e- so it's supposed to be in even before the um arraignment. Yep. Yeah, as soon as you get in charge, mm-hmm. on your way home, make sure you have a pen. As soon as you walk in the house, start writing a letter, throw a stamp on it, and send it out immediately. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get paperwork, respond, like, fast. Get letters back and forth to the other side. Try and mm-hmm. settle it out of court. Make sure you get a few good letters in there before your next court date. Just keep sending letters, asking question after question. Just keep punching holes in their case. Very polite, honorable granny letters. Greetings, Grandma. Uh, Do you believe I was operating under a license at the time? Whatever, as a man going from point A to point B with my property, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And just by the time you go to court, you're going to have a whole bunch of letters. This guy didn't answer this question. This guy didn't answer this question. Obviously, he doesn't have a plaintiff. Obviously, there's no witness. Obviously, there's no evidence that I was operating under a license. And just punch holes in their case. Have mm-hmm. your your exhibits attached to your to your whatever it is, your notice. And have everything you need to say in your notice. Your exhibits are right there. It's in plain black and white. What's so hard to understand about this paperwork? Three-year-old will understand it. You got a problem, Judge? If, you, if you're not competent to read that paperwork, uh, you might want to take a 15-minute recess and seek some legal advice or something. That's where a guy's got to be careful. That's kind of like you, <laughs> you don't want to offend the judge that way either, eh? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. well, I don't recommend being a smart ass like I just was, but... I thought I... I mean... <laughs> I thought I was being polite, but as she was asking questions, every time I would answer them, because I I knew what it meant, you know, like, you know, t- asking if I wanted an attorney, asking if I would fill out an application, if I, you know, asking if I w- was r- representing myself, you know, things like that. I'm like, I kept calling her on that, and I knew as I was responding to those things, you know, to me, even even saying that stuff, I I would say I would say. You know, if I was in her shoes, I would think that this guy's being a smart ass, you know? Well, yeah, when you're just sitting there going, well, why would I want to do that? Well, why would I want to do that? No, yeah, why, why would I want to do that? Even if you're even if you're using a polite tone, it just sounds real smart ass-ish. Right, and I don't mean to be that. That's just the whole thing. I didn't. I don't know what to say when someone asks you a question. Like, Carl probably has a great comeback for everything, right? But um, I don't know. It's it, it just... He's he's very smooth. He knows exactly what to say and when to say it. And you know yeah. when you're when you're thrown on that spot real quick, you're like, you know, I can't sit there and tell you the definition of the word attorney uh, specifically, other than to a torn right to turn over like a turncoat or something. But you know, I don't know the specific definition. I don't know exactly what it means. So I'm not going to sit there and try to pretend that I know something that I you know am not going to you know know for certain. Yeah, but see, that's why, well, first of all, Carl's a New Yorker, so he's got the attitude. Mm-hmm. He spent all those years in a law library. He had all those attorneys. He went to all those hearings, all those trials. He's He knows all this stuff like the back of his hand, and he's got the confidence. Mm-hmm. So he he can handle himself. Most of us don't have the experience Carl has. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, 
they can sense fear too. The lake sharks, they smell the blood in the water and they'll attack. That's true. But um if you had if you had everything in your paperwork before you went in there, you would have really nothing to say. Yeah, and the funny thing is is I had all my paperwork with me in a in a folder and I never ever bothered to pull it out and present it. Um I I I don't know why I I I didn't want to like just slam the court with everything, but I probably should have. I don't know. It, it just didn't seem right because I'm like, I didn't even know who the state's attorney was, who is the state. I mean, I don't know anything like that. that you know, I don't even know what the charges were. I don't know. I don't know anything. You know, it was crazy. And put it all in your paperwork. See, if you don't know who the plaintiff is, ask the man asking, acting as prosecutor before you go to court in a letter. If you... Anything, just keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. Just let him know that you're aware that he needs a third-party impartial witness. Let him I, know that there's a fictitious plaintiff. Right, I did all that, and they never said a word, and she's, I don't know, she's really run right over me. I said, I re, as a man, I require um, the, the man to appear. I require, uh, you know, the man to, my accuser to uh, come forth. Um, if he is claiming that I've done him harm or injured him in any way, uh, the plaintiff must appear. And uh, she just, like, ignored everything I said and just kept moving along. I don't know what to... uh, I want to barge in there. I was listening. But I know uh, a couple of people that are experiencing the same disheartening uh, results, I guess. I think I have all the papers on me, honestly. I mean, I've, I've been listening to Carl, and I've been listening to Mike, and and I've, I've been creating the paperwork, but I'm not fast like other people. I'm very slow and thorough, and I'm always modifying and changing and correcting, and, and I still don't know if I got my paperwork perfected, whereas... You know, Carl just like writes a simple sentence or whatever. You know, my um, my main document's like five pages long, and Carl's is real simple. You know, I got like my notices are you know either one or two pages. I got one notice to the police officer, uh, another notice to the other police officer. I got a third notice to the uh, their captain or their police chief, I guess is what it is. Um. So I got those three notices ready to mail out. I've got the um, invoices, um, you know, the bill of particulars for uh, both officers uh, on the scene. And I'm on standby for all of the other stuff, you know, when I got handcuffed and transported and was, you know, put in jail. I've got like, you know, 50 to 100 different orders by a half a dozen or more different people in, you know, in the facility um, that they were you know, happy to take, you know, I was taking all their orders and boy, they were ordering me left and right, you know, so I, I got a, I got a bunch there, but I was just hoping that I could just go with the orders with the officer and, um, you know, make it all go away. But I, you know, didn't even get a chance to, um, you know, speak to anybody about it. I couldn't speak to anybody in the hallway or nothing. It was just, they just moved you through like a bunch of cattle. They, they treat you just like you're a piece of meat running right through their system. 
But I know a, good short, a good shortcut for when you're like at the police station getting booked or processed or whatever you want to call it. And it's uh, it's actually ask the cop is that an order? Yep. Okay. And ask him again when he tells you something else is that an order? And he says yep. Say okay. And then just ask him is can I presume that everything you say is in order? And he'll say oh yeah, great. Everything you say is in order? Fine, I'm good with that. And just yep, keep a mental note. You want me to tell you what his bill is? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. $25,100. Yeah. So then they say, oh, this is a small claims court. You go to file, you know, if I want to file a claim, like Carl says, go file a claim, you know, we do them up to $5,000, small claims court. Well, what if it's over five thousand? Well, we don't do that there. It's uh, up to fifteen thousand, you know, for this court, whatever it is. If it's over that, then you know we don't have any records of that. You're going to have to go get an attorney and find out what forms you need to have and what paperwork you have to have and how you have to file it, how you have to style it. And I'm like, what? What are you, I don't, what are you talking about? I don't need an attorney for any of this stuff. What are you talking about? And they don't have any of that paperwork or any records there for that stuff. So. That's what they're telling me. Nope, we can't file that stuff. I even asked them, um, the lady, about filing a claim. Um, I want to file a claim for a trespass, and she said I can't do that. <laughs> she goes, you need to go to the police station and file a report. You know why she's telling you that? <laughs> what? You know why she's telling you that? Because um, you're, you're asking. You're just asking. You're requesting it. I think I was requiring it. I I, requ- I think I even said the words requ- I require uh, to file a um, file a claim of trespass. I'm See, telling if, you. if I were if I were a clerk of the court mm-hmm. and you came up to me and said I want to file a claim, do you have any forms? I'd be like, nope. Oh, what do you mean, no? No, we don't have any forms for filing claims. And I'd just wait until you get all pissed off and I'd have a, a sheriff drag you out of the office mm-hmm. or I would just frustrate the living crap out of you until you just walk away sucking your thumb crying mm-hmm. or being so mean to me it didn't work. I, I would just... Uh, you know, I was there at like, um, at like, let's say 4.50 and they close at 5 o'clock, right? And so I'm there asking all these questions and I... And because I want to find out the different um, uh, dollar amounts for each, what each one represents, you know, to find out which one um, would apply for me. And then uh, she said that they only had forms for small claims. And so they don't have anything else. You'd have to write your own, whatever it is. And, and uh, you have to get an attorney to find out, you know, what what it is and, and that paperwork. And so anyway. Um, she was, she was 100% right. She was exactly 100% right. Okay. She um, she doesn't have forms for what you were trying to do, and she actually told you the truth, told you you had to do your own forms, mm-hmm. and she is not allowed to give legal advice. So if mm-hmm. you need legal advice, you have to go get right. a, a legal expert. Right. Yeah, she didn't cause you a problem at all. She did her job perfectly. I'm sure she did, you know, what the way she's told. But your first so, mistake, 
your first mistake was going in there and talking to her face to face. She just went home, wrote up Mm -hmm. your claim, put it in a certified or registered mail envelope and send it off. Mm. Don't go in and talk to these people. They're going to give you a hassle every single time. Let me finish my little story and, and you tell me just what your thoughts are after it. Yep. So I asked to, I said I required to speak with a building manager. And they didn't know what that was. And some other lady comes over and she asked if she could help me out. And I said I required to speak to the building manager. And she goes, um, uh, we have a maintenance uh, group that comes in once a week to clean the toilets and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean the building manager? I'm like, you know, oh, I asked for a custodian, you know, the custodian of the building. You know how Carl talks about there's a custodian in the building. They're open 24 hours a day. And so uh, they didn't know what I was talking about. They thought I was talking about some, you know, janitor or something like that. And I said, no, I'm talking about the judge. And she goes, oh, 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 well, um, you know, they're not available, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, if you wanted, you know, to speak with them, you know, why don't you, um, I think your court case uh, is dealing with, um, you know, through the doors down at the end of the hall. Why don't you walk, go down to the end of the hall, it's getting kind of late, and all the cashiers are, you know, finishing their banking out and stuff, so they're all ready to go home. So uh, why don't you just go down to the end of the hall, and I'll go uh, talk to someone, and, uh, and uh, you know, they'll come out in a little bit. So I went down there. Ten minutes later, nothing. Twenty minutes later, nothing. Forty minutes later, nothing. I'm like walking around. I can hear her back there telling the whole story to one of her colleagues about me and everything that we said word for word, back and forth, all the banter, and all the windows were shut now, and everyone has gone home, and I'm still standing there all by myself. And so I'm like, shit, that little bitch, she's, she uh, sent me down there just to rot, and she's just hoping I go away. And, and while they all sneak out the back door, <laughs> I'm like, that little shit. So anyway, I, you know, walk back. And when I went back to where that window was, there's um, two little um, uh, baskets. One of them is for the floor, all the foreclosures for that week or whatever it was. And the basket on the left says um, civil claim. And there's a basket there. So I'm like thinking, maybe that's a, she's like, trying to give me information. So listen, if you have a claim, you can write it up and you can put it in this basket and we'll file it for you because we're after hours. And so I'm like wondering if that's, you know, what that little basket is for. And so anyway, they were closed. So anyway, I just started like snooping around the courthouse and the sh- all the sheriff, all the deputies and sheriffs came started following me around and then they started to surround me. <laughs> And I was like doing the whole Carl thing about her, his thing in, in England and stuff. And so, as I was talking to these guys, I was telling them the whole story on, um, you know, how how the courthouse, you know, was uh, is set up and everything like that. And uh, they agreed. Everything that I was saying sounds great. And um, so anyway, um, they had a kind of a chuckle. One guy was it was kind of like a good cop, bad cop kind of a thing. They were playing with me, but eventually. You know, we had our conversation or whatever and ended up, you know, leaving. So by the time I left, I think it was like 6.40 at night. So you can imagine I must have sat there for like an hour, hour talking to that guy or walking around. Because they had court case going on upstairs and he's going, oh, yeah, that was a 
a special case they were, you know, taking care of foreclosures or whatever. I'm like, that's funny. There were guys in orange jump shoot, jumpsuits and shackles and chains and stuff. I'm like, you know, because there's only one courtroom open, and, and uh, so I guess they were taking care of all the prisoners or whatever after hours. So anyway, I was going to go in there. I'm like, man, I don't really feel like going in there. Kind of late. But, uh, yeah, they were like all, they like came up on me, and we noticed that you were wandering through the, uh, you know, courthouse. It's after hours. And, yeah, well, do you have any business here? <laughs> I don't know, possibly. <laughs> but anyway, I told him my story and stuff. And he goes, you can file a complaint against her. I'm like, no, that's not important. She was just a snot. You know, she just sent me off in some wild goose chase while they all snuck out the back door. So whatever. Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, her plan worked like a charm. Sure did. And it does. Every time I I go there, everyone, they do something different. They're so damn sneaky. (laughs) I bet you they do that every day around closing time. They do Uh it to some poor sucker. Yeah. I'm sure they thought it was just going to go away. So anyway, I sat there and uh, I wrote up a claim um, by hand, you know, kind of like Carl says. And uh, I didn't put it in though because I I know I remember him saying that uh, before you put the claim in, you have to have an order. I believe, and I don't know how to do that order. I don't know how to write. I don't know what it looks like at all or anything like that. So anyway, so I, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to just throw a you know a small little claim in there. You know, write it in. Um, without, you know, the order, you know, being with it. So I, I ended up just leaving. Because <clears throat> I know Carl, so Carl, court says, file, yeah. Carl says that, you know, before you go into your court, you should already have your, you know, your claim filed. And I'm like, I had $400 or, you know, whatever it's going to cost me, a 1000 I don't know what it's going to cost to, you know, file the claim. She was giving me all the different prices, and I'm like, I ain't got that kind of money on me. Are you kidding me? So I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm like, I just wanted it all to go away. Why would I want to, you know, spend $400, you know, when, I I don't know, this is crazy. I mean, if I'm going to spend $400, I'm going to, like, see this damn thing through. I'm going to, you know, go after it. And I think that's what it's going to, you know, happen here. I think I'm going to be obligated to uh, go through and, file my claim and, you know, spend the money to do that, which is money I don't have. But, like, do you guys remember that guy talking earlier tonight? You know, he was we're the one and he was so upset with Carl, you know, because he just wanted the uh, case information. And he yeah, wanted to know. stuff on stupid. Right. He wanted to know how, to, how do you do this stuff, you know, because he was talking about the whole um, you know, Carlos, don't you, you know, you're supposed to bill the people. You're supposed to create an invoice. I'm like, I got all that. You know, I, I got all that and I did it. The thing is, is I didn't, I didn't send it to the, you know, police officer. I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I just feel bad about that. I don't know. I, I think I just got to get past that and say, you know what? It's just business and, uh, send it out and let it be. <clears throat> I 
that make sense? Yeah, I'm. Uh, when it comes to bills, I don't know if you should be sending bills in every case. I think sometimes sending bills are appropriate, but I think sometimes they're not. Um, I'm not exactly sure what orders you complied with. Um, well, I can run through them real quick. A lot of people, they set their prices way too high. Mine, mine are, yeah. Mine are very high. I'll go through the list real quick because there's only four, there's like 14 of them. So the first one is a uh, step out of your car. Next one was step to the back. Next one was turn around. Next one was place your hand behind, place your hands behind your back. Next was step over here and get in and then step out and turn around. Step to the back of the cruiser. Spread your legs. Next one. Then it was step to the front of the cruiser. Then step toward the entrance door, stop, and step to your right under the yellow line. Then the last one was um, I charged him for the handcuff and the transport, which lasted from 2.35 till 4.26 a.m., 111 minutes, at $100 a minute, was $11,100. Total due, $25,100. I also wrote that... Uh, Payment can only be made by postal money order, uh, and the total amount due within three business days. So that's for the first officer. The next one, the other officer had two orders. So that's two thousand. You're never going to get it, my opinion. I'm not looking to get it. That's the see. That's the whole thing. I I am not looking to get any. I just want all this stuff to go away. I'm not looking to profit off of this stuff. I'm not looking to bank. The, I, thing I don't is, care. the thing is, they're looking at it as you are. Like you may as well have told them that they owe you a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. There's, they're just gonna laugh. The lawyers are gonna laugh, and they're gonna say, "This guy thinks that some judge or some jury is gonna award this guy this much money for this unconscionable bill." They know that no judge is going to give you $100 a minute for stopping here. Why not? Because it's, it's ridiculous. It's $100 well, hey, a minute for look, look taking this, a few steps and stopping? Hey, listen to this, though. All right, so because I was my... Okay, how much money do you think a judge makes a year? Right? That's irrelevant. No, what I'm, what I'm saying... No, wait, listen. All right, so if a man... If a man is you know, only below that of God, and a judge is down to the bottom of the total pole, you know, uh, the pyramid, so to speak, right? And that judge is way down there acting in that role. That judge is making, you know, God knows how much, you know, probably, I mean, look at all the money that's flowing through that courthouse. I mean, they're making, you know, we know from 15 to 20% on every dollar that's going through that court. What I'm saying is... 100% irrelevant. I'm telling you right now, all of that shit you're saying is 100% irrelevant. No judge in that courtroom is making $100 a minute. Not even freaking close. Yeah. Who makes... Who who, who do you know that makes $100 a minute? Whose time is worth $100 a minute? 
I thought my time was unlimited, or, or my value is unlimited. Well, it's, I put not. A on it. it's not. Who's who's going to hire you to do anything for a hundred dollars a minute? It's an unbelievable. It's an outrageous price. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to award you that. It's not. See, here's the thing. That's something. That's not anything that you would be awarded. All right. What? It's a bill, so it's, they're obligated to pay the bill. When you go to court, you're going to be awarded, you know, punitive damage for a trespass. No, 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 no. no you're on compensation. Oh. Has nothing to do with punitive damages. Compensation. Compensation right. has nothing to do with punishment, and it's not there for you to profit from. Compensation is to put back in your pocket what came out of your pocket or to reimburse you for your time. Your time is not worth $100 a minute. I don't care if you're Donald Trump. Nobody's going to pay Donald Trump $100 a minute to paint the fence or sand the floor or wax on, wax off. Mm -hmm. Nobody makes $100 a minute, certainly not you. No jury is going to look at you and say, wow, I'd pay this guy $100 a minute. Compensation is... Fair and just compensation. $100 a minute is not fair or just. Nobody's going to award you that. Yeah, but if, if, you I send, know. if you send that bill to the cop, the mm-hmm. cop's going to give that bill to his boss. His boss mm-hmm. is going to give that bill to the legal department. And the legal yep. department is going to piss their pants laughing and say, ah, don't worry about it. Throw it in a folder somewhere, put it in a desk. Well, let me tell you, I actually had a... I had a um, a court case five or seven years ago um, for a parking ticket, and part of my paperwork uh, had a fee schedule on it, and the fee schedule was uh, $6,000 an hour with a one-hour minimum uh, or a portion thereof in the amount of $100 a minute, um, and that's what it was. And so when I put my paperwork, it was already into the court, Right, and so when I was going through my court case, um, you know, she he was like just running right over me. But then I started asking questions, and I asked him if um, this was a uh, a trial. And he says yes, and I said, "Is a trial an adjudication process?" And he says, "Yes, yes, it is." And I said, "Aha!" And I immediately pulled out my my paperwork, and I started reading my fee schedule into the record uh, and to place it into evidence. And he flipped out. He pushed his chair back and stood up and started pacing back and forth five, six, seven times. He was violently shaking. He's going, whoa, 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 why are you doing this? And he was he was literally scared. He's, I put the fear of God in that dude. I mean, he was a bully. And I turned him, you know, when the, with a snap of a finger when I did that. So you can't tell me that it doesn't work or that it is too much. Um, I know it does work. It did work. And so I... You know, only because I had that dollar amount before and I have no idea how I came up with that dollar amount. I just made it up. Um, I think it was, you know, $10 an hour. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, $100 an hour. And I'm like, no, make it $100 a minute. <laughs> and I just randomly came up with a figure in my head. So there's not, not really any anything behind it. Um, you know, it would probably be more appropriate if I took a zero off and, you know, made it 
uh, $10 a minute or $600 an hour. That's probably more realistic. You know, you'd probably agree to something like that. But, you know, I already had the paperwork in, and so I was just mirroring what I had before because all my paperwork that I had before, I had sent it all the way to the very top, you know, from the bottom where the magistrate was all the way to, you know, the governor and, and uh, you know, whoever else, you know, was there. So I know it's already on file. It's on record. I already have a court case. I have history. Um, so I figured I'm just going to maintain that same thing and put my same paperwork in. And, you know, I'll use my own court case as my own history that, yes, indeed, I've used it before and, and have prevailed. And I just figured I would, you know, be able to get it to work. But I'm, I've been hesitant to, um, to kind of initiate and put that paperwork in because before I never put the invoice in. I just had, and I had the, I had my order form on me and I had it all filled out and I just needed to turn the, the um, order slip in to the court, you know, to, to get the payment. And uh, I didn't want to do that. So he says, you won, you won. You know, why are, you know, just, we just want to go home. He said, you know, that, that was pretty much all I wanted. So I, you know, that was it. But this time here, you know, I'm like, it's it's not working out, but I don't have any paperwork in. So they only see, I have, actually I have one notice and I take that back. I put a notice in of, you know, which is basically um, everything that I believe, all my different beliefs. So I, you know, wrote up a whole list of of that and I was going to follow that with my um, affidavit of truth and a claim of right. So You're never going to get it. I'm telling you right now, you're never going to get it. So you think I should change, take a zero off of that? Instead of making it 6,000, make it 600? Oh, what's, what's the highest... What's the highest hourly rate you've ever made in your whole entire life? I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't even tell you that. Um, I don't know. I think the most I made probably like in one year. I'm looking at fifty around fifty-five cash. So that's about. That's about a thousand a week. So, so you like, want to make six months? Hold on a second. I'm, I'm breaking it down. So, you know, I'm thinking about two hundred dollars a day, cash in hand. Um, let me see. So, what would that be? And I didn't even really work. So, six to eight hour day. So, it's at twenty five dollars an hour. Twenty five to thirty three dollars an hour, something like that. I don't know. So let's say $30 an hour at the most. So $30 an hour is the most you've ever made in your life, but for some reason now your time is worth $100 a minute. How does that work out? <clears throat> like if, let's just say the most you've ever made in your life was $50 an hour. Mm-hmm. Maybe charge $100 an hour. To me, that's too high. Somehow you think that you're worth $100 a minute. I believe I got a lot of this. There's a, uh, there's a court case, a traffic court case, that um, a um, 
a guy out of Tampa, Florida was pulled over and uh, he ended up winning his court case and it, it uh, he was awarded like, I don't know, one point some million dollars and it worked out to be, I think, $25,000 an hour, some, some crazy amount. $25,000 per 23 minutes? Yeah, that's the one. What 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 was he getting paid for? I don't know. I I don't remember. I, I'm just there saying. You go. There, see, there's the key. What's that? If I if I if I grab you, tie mm-hmm. you up, throw you in my car, drive to my house, and throw you in a cage in my basement. That's what happened to me. <laughs> then no, it isn't. I was arrested. He he handcuffed me. He threw me in the back of a squad car, took me down to the police station, and threw me in a cell. Yes, that's what happened to me. Okay, so are you the only guy that that's ever happened to? Get dragged down to the police station, get booked, go to court, and leave? Mm, no, it happens all the time. There to, you go. There the you go. He didn't do anything unusual. He didn't do anything out of the scope of his normal job. He did to that's you what he did to everybody else. If, if it was on... Listen... If it was on the 6 o'clock news that some man got arrested, brought to jail, went to court, and got released, mm-hmm. nobody's going to blink an eye. Mm-hmm. It's not shocking. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I got you. I, I, I hear you. Like, if, if I grabbed your firstborn son and chopped all his fingers and toes off, burned his hair, put him on a steel pole and left him on the front yard or something, everybody on the planet would go, holy shit. And you could get a ridiculous amount of money for that because that doesn't happen every day. That's a huge shocker to everybody. That's Mm -hmm. where you charge big money. Carl charged a ridiculous amount of money for two reasons. One, you don't just go and steal somebody's baby from the hospital. That's unbelievable. It's completely ridiculous to think you can do something like that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he was going after the government of the state of Alabama, and the agent, we, the agency was actually a federal agency, and the government's got really deep pockets. Mm-hmm. So Char- Carl charged a ridiculous amount of money for that. But for what happened to you, that's not going to shock the living crap out of everybody on the planet. It has to be a complete stunner that nobody can believe actually happened before you're going to charge that much money and get it. If you get charged with rape and it turns out that it wasn't you and you did 16 years in prison for something you didn't do, Mm -hmm. then you can charge a huge amount of money. Because that's ridiculous. Some guy spent a huge chunk of his life in prison for something that he didn't do. That is unbelievable that Mm -hmm. it could happen to somebody. A complete innocent man for no absolute reason, absolutely no reason whatsoever. That is, that is, people will be like, holy crap, that's terrible. I can't believe it happened to that poor man. And the whole world feels sorry for you because there's no way that should happen to any man. That's when you charge big money. To get brought down to the police station, booked and released, you can't charge that kind of money. Like, I have no idea why that judge was all upset or whatever, pacing back and forth, but 
I find it hard to believe. I find it hard to believe that didn't happen. I honestly can't tell you what that was all about, but you're. I think what happened was I placed it into the record, and so now it was part of evidence into the court case, and so he had to acknowledge it, and that put the fear of God in him. He didn't have to acknowledge it. It was in evidence. It was in evidence. No, it wasn't. I put you, you, were trying, you were trying to put it into evidence. It wasn't into evidence. Not until I not until I read it into the record. No, all you did was put it on the record. It didn't actually go in the file. It didn't go into evidence. You weren't sworn in. Even if you were sworn in, and you told them to put it in the evidence file, doesn't mean he did it. Doesn't mean the court reporter wrote it down. Doesn't mean the transcripts and the tapes weren't doctored. So why did he do that right at that right at that moment? I'm telling you, dude, I don't he was know, I, don't know. I wasn't there. I can't say what happened or why, but I find it hard to believe. I don't know what the story was, so I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I would. Uh, I'd feel pretty safe in saying you will never get that money. I'm not looking to get it, Mike, honestly. No, but, no, but look at it from their side. Mm-hmm. If, somebody, oh, sure. if somebody gives me a bill, yeah, they're going to go whatever. They're expecting to pay it. Did, okay, look at it this way. If I painted your fence and I sent you a bill, would I be expecting you to pay the bill? You don't pay a bill expecting not to get paid. You send a bill because you're expecting to get paid. Mm-hmm. So why would they think, oh, this guy gave us a bill, but he doesn't actually want the money. He doesn't want us to pay him. From their point of view, you're sticking them with a huge bill thinking you're going to get paid. They know that you're expecting to get paid because that's what happens when you give somebody a bill. They pay it. Sure. So from their point of view you are expecting them to pay it. Okay. Maybe you're... Okay. How, how do I award this? Obviously, I'm, I want to initiate the charge, right? To put it in there so it gives them the incentive to want to back off and drop their charges. Because in, in my uh, paperwork, I think I wrote something about... Um, if he, I forget if they, I don't know if they drop their charges or if they write a letter of apology. or I, I can't remember exactly what I worded to him, um, but I did it in my um, private uh, letter to him that I wrote. Um, anyway, so I'm like, I gave him a way out. I'm not, I, I offered a way out because I remember talking to you and Carl um, to give them a back door on the way out, you know, or a way out. So I, I said that I would, um, you know, drop the charges or expunge the record or, you know, whatever. I can't remember how I worded it. Um, but I would take away the charge if, um, you know, if he, you know, did certain things. So he doesn't have to pay it. I, there's a way out for him to not have to pay anything. And so it would it would give them, it would kind of put them in a position to say, hey, oh, my God, you know, we had this huge bill. Um, we can make this all go away just by, you know, if we drop our charges against him. Maybe we should do that. 
And if they do that and, you know, do what I, whatever I wrote in, in their letter, um, you know, all mine goes away. So I'm not looking to get paid. You're right. But I've got to show that I'm ready, willing, and able to, you know, move it forward. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but. I don't know if you told if you told Carl that you were charging a hundred dollars a minute for mm-hmm. walk over here, stop here. Mm-hmm. Carl's gonna. I I pretty much guarantee you, Carl's gonna side with me and say that that's way too much for what happened to you. He's gonna say that's not justifiable. It's not fair and just. It happens every day. It it doesn't shock anyone's conscience. He's not going to agree that that's a fair price. Fair and just compensation means if $100 comes out of my pocket because of what you did, you put $100 back in my pocket. Maybe 150 but we, I don't know. If, I don't know, if I kick your car and it costs you $500 to get the dent pulled, you're due $500. If you miss a day of work because your car's in the shop, then I will maybe have to pay you a day's wages. I'm supposed to pay you back what you lost. The idea is that I make you whole again, make it so we're back to where not, like nothing ever happened. Just mm-hmm. fix what I caused. You're not you're not to be turning a profit, and you're not to be punishing them. Punitive damages are what the judge or the jury awards. You don't mm-hmm. dictate what the punishment amount's going to be. You tell them what the damage was, what the financial loss was, and you put in an itemized statement of like a breakdown of what expenses you incurred because of the act and you get paid back what you lost you have to justify what the money is for right for each of the orders that they uh, placed upon me right a fair and just compensation for your time would be fair and just compensation Donald Trump maybe could charge a hundred dollars a minute because he's his time is worth that he can make a hundred dollars a minute doing all kinds of other things that he does. If he's used to making $100 a minute, that's his regular wage, mm-hmm. that's what he will get. Because his time is worth that, he can prove that his time is worth that. If you can bring in a pay stub where you had a job making $100 a minute, then you can charge $100 a minute for your time. Okay, I think I, you're like, I think he had made an analogy about maybe like an Elvis Presley or something like that. Um, you know, a guy with his caliber, you know, going to do a show, uh, he can command a certain dollar amount. You, you're not Elvis Presley. It's kind of like yeah. the analogy you're trying to give me. Is that right? Yes. Right. Okay. I, I, I get that. If I was Elvis Presley, it might be a different story, but I'm not Elvis. Yeah, because Elvis can Elvis can prove that he makes a certain dollar amount every time he packs an arena. Mm-hmm. So if you if 
you kick Elvis in the balls and he has to go to the hospital and he misses a concert, he can charge you the amount of money he misses or his lawyer will have a, okay, it's this much per ticket mm-hmm. and this much, this percentage of each ticket goes in Elvis's pocket and we sold this many tickets and he didn't show up. We had to refund all this money and blah, blah, blah. Elvis never made a penny because he got kicked in the balls. You're going to compensate him for what he lost that night. You're going to pay his hospital bill. And you're going to maybe pay his ambulance bill, whatever else. You're going to pay what he lost because of what you did. But he's not going to charge you double, triple, quadruple. Because the judge is going to say, no, you can't justify that much amount per minute because you've never made that much per minute in your life. Okay. You can get compensated for your out-of-pocket expenses and the income that you probably... It's reasonable to say that you would have lost this dollar amount because of what happened. You'll probably get that as long as your paperwork can show that that's what you actually lost. And then it's up to the judge or jury to award you the punitive damages. We're going to punish them for what they did to you. So we're going to pay, he's going to pay you back the money you lost. And he's going to pay this much in punitive damages on top of that. But you can't you can't punish him. You have right. to wait until you get until so you win your case. Yeah, feeling that you're getting by looking at these numbers, you, you feel that I'm doing this because I'm trying to uh, determine the punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like that's like if I if I walk outside to get my mail one day and I see you pick up a rock off my driveway and walk away and I say, Hey, Hey, come back here. That's my rock. I -hmm. can't sue you for $1,100 million because that rock was my property. And I feel that that rock was worth that much money to me. Judge is going to say, what is this a moon rock? Is this, it's a fricking rock. Oh, but it was shiny. It was a pretty rock. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense, and you're never going to get it. All right, so let's say I modify this. I want to go ahead and read my notice just so you uh, can hear what I have so far. Maybe you'll disagree with it or, or correct it. Um, I wrote the notice at the top, and then below that, I wrote greetings, you know, whoever the guy's name is. I wrote, uh, as a man, at times you act in the capacity of police officer. One, you place charging instruments in the public that cause harm to I, a man. Two, you gave orders to I, a man, after I declared it so, and also after I notified you that I, a man, was not operating under a license at the time of the stop. Three, you knowingly continued to give orders to I, a man, after I notified you that I claimed and activated my fee schedule of $100 per order. Four, you trespassed on my property when you handcuffed and transported I, a man, who did not harm my fellow man, damage any property of my fellow man, and did not use fraud or mischief in any contracts with my fellow man. 
5. I, a man, respectfully complied with all orders given by you, Johnny, whatever. Number 6. You have no jurisdiction over I, a man. 7. You knowingly continue to handcuff and transport I, a man, after I claimed and activated my fee schedule of $600 per hour with a one-hour minimum if I, a man, am handcuffed or transported. Number 8. I, a man, asked you for forgiveness at the time of the stop, yet you continue to trespass upon I, a man. 9. I, a man, told you that I am a godly man and live by my golden rule, which is to do unto others as they have done unto I, a man. 10. It is not my wish to charge you, Johnny. However, you leave me no other choice. Only you can make this all go away, since you were the one who initiated it all. Number 11. If you expunge all charges and write a written letter of apology promising not to trespass on your fellow man, nor to ever charge your fellow man if, when he has declared himself to be a man, I shall too expunge my charge. Number 12. What are you going to do about all this, Johnny? And that's all I wrote. That's my notice. Tell me what your thoughts are on that. It's way too long and there's too much stuff in there. Way too long. Oh, my gosh. What about uh, greetings, Bob? Please accept my bill for the orders I carried out at your... Thank you, thank you for... What is it? Please accept my bill for the... for carrying out your orders on such and such a day. And then give them the bill. I was thinking that by me putting all that other stuff in there, that that kind of like lets creates a record that I I put it, I let it be known that um, I was activating my fee schedule. I let it be known that I wasn't operating under a license at the time of the stop. You know, it creates a record of that stuff. Me declaring that at the time of the stop. I'm trying to create a record. So once this goes into evidence, you know, there's going, you know, they can tie back and look back. Oh, look at this. It's, you know, you you actually did notify him. You know, it's in writing. You you gave him a notice. You not only said it to him verbally at the time of the stop, but you actually wrote it in a letter, in a notice to him. That's why I was writing all these things to make sure I covered certain points that I wanted to lock him into. Well, I would say if he wants to dispute the amount owing. He can write you a letter and say, what is all this money for? Please give me a bill of particulars. If you ask for a bill of particulars, break down the price for him. I already have all that. I got the invoice. I, I told you I, I read through all of that stuff already. <clears throat> It'll be $2,510 instead of $25,000. i will just take a zero off. So I took a zero off. Of the Just order. send them a letter and, and send the bill with it. Right. That's if, what I'm gonna, if you, if you yeah. broke down the, if you broke down the, if you, if it's itemized, like if you wrote it, this order, this much, this order, this much, this order, this much. Yep, that's I fine. did. That's I did. fine. Well, you don't have to tell them. You don't have to go through everything in the letter, and it matches the bill. Mm-hmm. You can just put. You can just put in the letter. Please accept my bill. If the bill's got the breakdown on it, why would you give the breakdown on the 
on the, in the letter too. You're making your you're making it twice as long. If the bill tells them what all the charges are for, why are you telling them what all the charges are for in the letter too? I don't think I am telling them. What, I I'm just telling them that I activated my fee schedule for the charges for each order, and then I also um, put in there for the amount for the transport, the time that I was under his care. Because there's a, a time frame. Um, I told you it was 2:35 until 4:26, 111 minutes before he transferred me to the facility. So greetings, Bob. Please find enclosed the bill and the and the fee schedule. Blah 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 blah. The bill and the fee schedule. They're gonna clarify anything he needs to know. If he if there's something you forgot to let him know he can write you a letter back and ask you. I remember Carl one time was um, w- one of his um, greetings Bob letter, I think was, I, I want to say to the, um, let's say to a police chief as an example, and he was saying, you know, do you know your subordinates or are placing uh, charging instruments into the public that are causing harm to I a man, and so as I was like reading through his stuff, I kind of added to mine, and I kind of correlated all of that stuff with the notices I'm giving to the police officers that I have uh, that I dealt with, and so all three of my notice, all my notices, they kind of mirror each other, and so you know that's kind of how I set it up. I think the police chief has. His has like maybe eight points on it, and the other officer maybe has seven points on it. This one here has 12 points on it, you know, because I covered a, a few more you know, extra things with this one. Carl said it, or you saw one of his documents? Oh, mm-hmm. that could be. Um, I may have actually, he may have said it. I thought I saw it in a document too. Um, you know, because you know, when he's talking to some of the people he has, let's say as an example, the um, well, some of the people he talks to on there, he tells them, you know, and I, I'll slow down and I repeat it over and over, and I'll try to write down exactly what he said, and so then I like try to keep that and see if I can try to add to it. So I write a lot of stuff down in my notebooks as he as the um, talk shows going along, or all of his you know YouTube videos, all that stuff. I always have you know, pen and paper, and I write anything that I feel is like a keynote. I'll write it down, and and then I go back later and, and um, you know, kind of clean it all up and, you know, decide whether or not I want to use something or not use it or, you know, kind of change it around and make it my own. That's what I usually do when I, you know, listen to the talk shoes. Yeah, I don't know. That, uh, that doesn't sound, sound very familiar. And... Uh... I haven't missed much of what Carl's put on TalkShoe. Okay, so here's... Well, I got... Let me see if I can find it. No, that's not it. You said you have all of this stuff? Yeah, I think I've pretty much heard everything Carl put out. I haven't 
haven't uh, purchased any of his CDs or anything like that, but mm-hmm. as far as his talk shoot calls go, I'm pretty sure I heard them all. I think I've heard all of his too. So. Here's the one for the police chief. Are you aware that men acting as your subordinates place charging instruments in the public that cause harm to I, a man? Are you aware that men acting as your subordinates gave orders to I, a man? No, that's me. I wrote that one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I wrote that one. I wrote that one. Um, I think I wrote that one. So the first one, I think, is the only one that is Carl's. I think the rest of them are mine. The last, yeah. I remember he wrote this one. He wrote, um, here's what he said. Okay, so I got all the three. He used these three. This, these three are Carl's, all right? Are you aware that men acting as your subordinates place charging instruments in the public that cause harm to I, a man? Next, Carl says, what are you going to do all, about all of this, let's say, Pete? And then next he says, are you going to train, discipline, and monitor your subordinates, or shall I seek further action? Those three are Carl's. I remember specifically. So numbers one, seven, and eight are Carl's. The rest of them are mine. Yeah, but that was like like 10 times shorter than what you had. You're right. Was, yours was, you said you mirrored what Carl did, and that was nothing similar. Well, no, no, no. I, I the, the concept of writing a notice and the fact that, you know, who he's talking to, right? And then you have to correlate it to you. It has to come from you. In other words, I can't be Carl. I have to be me. And so I have to write it, you know, from my come from or how it's going to apply to me. Yeah, but um, Carl, Carl wrote three sentences. Yep. Yours was nowhere near three sentences. Yeah, it was eight. nothing close to what Carl wrote. Well, that makes it mine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like you're if right. you're, your bill or your mm-hmm. invoice or whatever you want to call it, Right. If it was a breakdown of all the individual orders you took and the prices beside them, yep, why would you repeat everything in your letter? It's already on the bill. I think I told you that I, I am writing this, the, that different stuff down in the notice um, to set it up for later on down the road. But what does your bill do? It sets it up for later down the road. Okay. Right? Absolutely. Because um, all you're doing, all you're doing, is repeating a big long list. Right. It's, it's like I'm you professional at this. I'm not. I'm not like Carl, who's been to court a hundred times. I have never. I, I have never done this. I've never been to court other than just that one time I told you about. So, I mean, I, I'm a rookie at this. I'm, I don't claim that you know I'm any type of you know guru or master. I'm like winging this thing. I'm trying to acquire knowledge. Carl says, like a broken, Carl says like a broken record. Two, three mm-hmm. sentences, you're done. Right. He says it like crazy, nonstop. Two, three sentences, you're done. That's why I'm sure I think he would throw up if he looked at my, you know, my document. It's like five pages long. 
and then I'm sure he would laugh at it. But I don't know. Yeah, I uh, when I write letters, mm-hmm. I aim for two sentences or less. Like I keep it very short to the point. My my first sentence, in my opinion, is kind of a waste of time. But I have to be polite. So my first line is, "Greetings, Bob. Thank you for your letter, dated blah blah blah." And then I ask him a kick in the balls question, one that he cannot answer or he can't answer truthfully. Put him in a tight spot. One simple question. As an example, which would be? Greetings, Bob. Thank you for your letter, dated, whatever. Uh, See copy enclosed herein. Um, Please explain your letter. Or what do you wish that I do? Or a simple question. Like if Bob sends me a letter and it's got all this crazy lawyer talk and it's like three quarters of a page, it's got all these code sightings in it, I have no clue what it's talking about. I don't know. I have no idea what this guy's talking about. So I write him a letter, greetings, Bob, thank you for your letter dated, blah, 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 enclosed herein. What do you wish that I do? And then let Bob write back and say, well, I I want you to pay the fine or I'm going to throw you in jail. Next letter, greetings, Bob. Thank you for your threats and extortion. Let me know when you wish to take me to court and I'll meet you in a court of record. And I bet you Bob's never going to speak to me ever again. It could possibly be that easy. I doubt Bob's going to say, pay me or I'll break your legs, but... If no. he happens to say that, Bob being the state's attorney or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I doubt if that would happen. Unfortunately, I would never get like the uh, the uh, form that they gave me. It just said state of Florida. It didn't say anything other than that. And then I, the defendant was required to appear or whatever. So find, look on the internet, find out who you think you got the letter from, look on the internet, find their name and address, and uh, greetings, Bob, you send this shit to me? Greetings, Bob, who sent me this letter? Was it you? What man or woman, just send it, what man or woman, okay, say, say you think it was a court clerk, or a clerk of the court, or a prosecutor, or somebody, Right. Write a letter to the prosecutor's boss. The prosecutor is likely an assistant district attorney. So write to his boss, the district attorney, and just say, greetings, Bob. I believe one of your subordinates uh, sent this letter to me. Uh, Who is the man or woman I should speak to regarding this matter? And wait for him to send you a name of one of his minions that you're going to clobber with a very polite granny letter. Mm-hmm. You send you send one letter at a time, one question at a time, and make him shit his pants. Let him know with one letter that he has no impartial witness. Send another letter showing that he has no evidence. Another letter showing that he has no jurisdiction. 
another letter showing that the state of New York is a fictitious entity. And then by the time you go to court, you got a whole bunch of letters. And then all of a sudden, Bob's standing in the courtroom in front of a judge with you all calm and cool, with your paperwork in, your mouth shut, a pleasant smile. And the judge is reading this paperwork and knows that Bob has no evidence, no witness, no jurisdiction, no harm, no loss, no injury, no breach of contract, nothing. And now Bob's going to be looking like a big dick in that courtroom. Well, by the way, Judge, you notice that I never got one single response to any of those questions. That prosecutor is going to be sweating. And the judge is going to be asking Mr. Prosecutor a couple of questions. And now that judge is on the hot seat because his first duty and obligation is to protect his little prosecutor. Mm -hmm. But he knows if he protects his prosecutor, he's the one that's going to be on the hook. So now he's got to put his own career in jeopardy or he's got to send that prosecutor up the river. I guarantee if that's the choices, that prosecutor is getting thrown under the bus by the judge. He's going to save his own ass. And if the prosecutor has a half a brain in his head, he's going to be trying to offer you a plea deal or accidentally delete that charge from the computer. Go to court one day, look on the docket sheet, find your name's not there. Go into the clerk of the court and say, yeah, I thought I was supposed to be in court today, but I didn't see my name on the docket. Can you look on the computer? Nope. Nope. We don't have any. It, we don't have your name on this computer. We, I don't know what happened, but I can't see those charges. Oh, great. Thank you, Betty. Could you, uh, could you put that in writing for me, please? Get Betty to put it in writing that it doesn't exist on their computers. Mm-hmm. So if Bob and the judge want to pull a fast one, issue a warrant for your arrest for failure to appear... You can say, really? So did you guys make a mistake or did the nice lady named Betty make a mistake? Because somebody made a mistake unless somebody's bullshitting. And that would be great. Charge is gone. What more could you ask for? And next time you get pulled over for uh, not having your seatbelt or failing to come to a complete stop at the stop sign, they're going to see your name on the computer and say, oh, Jesus, we're not touching this guy. That's what everybody wants, just to be left alone. Yep. No $100, no $100 a minute, none of that crap. Bob's going to be sitting there going, wow, this guy's good. He must have been listening to some asshole from Virginia. Where did he get this stuff from? <laughs> Some asshole from Ontario. <laughs> yeah, well, this asshole from Ontario gets all his information from some <laughs> asshole in Virginia. <laughs> oh, shit. Mike, I really enjoy talking to you. It's fun. Yeah, good talking to you, too. Yep. You, uh, you're uh, helping to uh, mold and critique me and uh, make me a better man, so I thank you for that. Well, I figure I spent enough time learning this shit. I already know it. I may as well share what I know. 
kind of my my duty and my obligation to help my fellow man, right? Absolutely. Plus, uh, answering your guys' questions keeps me on my toes, makes me think. Got to rub both of my brain cells together sometimes. Right on. Do you remember earlier today, Carl was talking about um, the guy that, or maybe he wasn't talking, maybe some other guy talked about um, putting in the paperwork before he went into court saying that he was a man as he was going through the security gate or whatever, and they had to take the paperwork up to the judge. And then the yep. judge says, we have a man in this courtroom. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah, he was talking about John. Okay, John. So John put in paperwork. It was a notice. And what did he write on his paper, do you think, that uh, uh, declared he was a man, that that worked as opposed to what I said when I was up there that had no meaning whatsoever to her? Well, I'm not 100% sure that John's notice had a whole lot of effect. But um, if I remember correctly or if I understand it correctly, whenever anybody goes into the Providence, Rhode Island courthouse, when they go through the metal detectors, there's security guards and they all demand to see ID. And I guess John always showed his driver's license. Mm -hmm. And... Gus told him that that was a bad idea and he shouldn't be doing that. And later on, John found out that uh, that I I don't I don't remember. I think it gets uh, it gets written down and then it gets thrown into the file, not into the evidence folder or anything like that, but it goes into the file. And since John didn't show his driver's license. Sorry, the state's driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to have some way of identifying them. So John said, okay, well, I'll just write a letter and let you guys know who I am because I don't have my driver's license. And so he wrote an I am man letter. And I guess since it came from a, I don't know if you consider him a court officer or not, but let's just say he's considered a court officer. Right. He got a document from a court officer relating to that case because John either had to leave the courthouse, not be allowed in and miss his court date, or he had to do something to prove who he was because they couldn't just break the rules and let him in there. And so since they got an important document from a court official, he had to read it onto the record. Technically, I guess he didn't have to, but he was trying to make sure he was covered. Um, But still, I don't know if that really helped John at all anyways in the long run. They're kind of doing whatever they want to John. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know much about John's case, but I think he's been fighting the IRS for 12 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's cost them thousands and thousands of dollars over the years. And they really want him bad. Really? Wow. Every time, Yeah, every time they send him something in the mail, 
Mm-hmm. He responded immediately and he put notices and letters and all kinds of stuff in there. And he was so on the ball, it was ridiculous. And wow. he kept backing them into a corner. They kept trying to beat him with paperwork and mm-hmm. John's pretty sharp. So he stayed right on top of them the whole way. And uh, one time John filed a notice, I guess his, his case had been going on for quite a while by this point, but he filed a notice. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it was the one where he's not the defendant. He's not the all caps name. He's not Mr. Fall. He's not blah, blah, blah. He's just a man. And I don't know if, I don't know if he had filed the notice, the notice that he was an idiot in regard to legal society at that point or not. But when he filed that notice, they sent some big shot from Washington down, Washington, D.C. They actually flew him down there. So this guy is a big shot getting paid huge money. They flew him down there just for a special hearing, all for John, about his his lawyer representation, whatever they wanted to call it, his mm-hmm. counsel. Mm-hmm. And just that hearing alone probably cost them a ridiculous amount of money. He had, I think, five federal prosecutors on his case. And wow. he, yeah, he filed two, maybe three claims altogether. So they, they were so shifty. They did so many underhanded things that John had so much dirt on them. And after, on top of that, spending all that money, they had no choice but to beat him one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like he had, he had them on so many due process violations, so much fraud, so much uh, threat and coercion, mm-hmm. and he racked up such a bill that they had to stick him with the bill, and they had to find him guilty on at least something. So he didn't sue them like badly, all of them. So he pretty much backed them into a corner so much that they had to come out fighting with everything they had. And they just, they just steamrolled them like crazy. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, there's uh, there's quite a bit. Why didn't he, yeah. Why didn't he try to give them a way out? Well, he did, but I don't know. I think they uh, you usually tell someone's come from. If you like, if you offer someone a back door or a way out, and they choose to come right back at you, and come, they're you're like you're seeing their true come from. That's how I look at it. I'm gonna yeah, I'm yeah, back, John. I'm gonna open up the back door for you to get out. I got a gun by the front door, but the back door is open, unlocked, and available for you to get out if you want to get out of my house. One of those things, right? Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty sure John did that, but there was so much involved in the case that they, I don't know, they had to, they had to do what they had to do. Hmm. See, um, this is going back years ago, and John didn't know all this common law stuff, Mm -hmm. but uh, John is a IRS code reader extraordinaire. And he was hammering them in the statutory world for so long. But, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with John's case. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Jeez, it's been going on for several years, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know if this if this particular case was going on for 12 years, but I'm pretty sure it was 12 years he was fighting the IRS. Like, it, it's kind of a sad story what they did to him, but they... Um, They they put so much heat on them that they pretty much forced his wife to divorce him. And his mm-hmm. wife took everything. And John had to let her take everything because if John had kept it, the IRS would have taken it anyways. So he said, I'm either going to lose it to my wife or lose it to the IRS. And he gave it to his wife. I think it got so bad he was living in his car for a while or something. Like, he, he went through a lot of shit over this. Oh, so it, he literally did get divorced. It wasn't like they were, like, doing that to uh, protect the assets and protect the family. No, no. They threatened and coerced her to divorce him. And to rub the salt into the wound, they made her the star witness against him. That can't happen when they're married. Not oh, yeah. they get divorced. No, no, they got divorced. They forced. Her, they pretty much forced her to to divorce him. Uh huh. And she knew that her whole life was going to be ruined if she stood up to the IRS. And I guess she was no dummy. She did what she had to do. And as far as I know, John's still pretty good friends with his ex-wife. But mm-hmm. yeah, they uh, yeah they did it to John for years. Uh, bullshit. I wonder how it all started. I mean, what? I don't even know idea what it's over. What? What? I actually, I forget what his charges were. He had four charges. They were pretty serious. I, uh, I don't even remember the dollar amount, but it was quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, John used to have all kinds of money. But he, they, uh. Him and his wife together owned several uh, dentist offices and a whole bunch of properties and all kinds of shit. But John was loaded back in the day. They destroyed his life completely. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's a sad story what happened to John. Health problems the whole bit. They don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. That's why I tell people don't mess with the IRS. Right. That's why I don't even want to get involved with them. Just stay away. Like, I, I'm i fully convinced that income tax is voluntary, mm-hmm. but you don't just stop paying your taxes and don't, don't, don't ever file 1099 OIDs or some other crazy... Right some kind of crazy thing where you're getting money from the IRS for free. Mm-hmm. Don't do any of that shit. If you want to stop paying your taxes, start writing letters and start asking a bunch of questions and start setting the path and get all your ducks in a row mm-hmm. so you can prove beyond a reasonable shadow of a doubt that even the IRS knows that you don't have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And get yourself out of it that way. Don't just stop paying your taxes. And certainly don't rook the IRS for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. 
the IRS are not very happy people when you get on their bad side. True. And I don't mean to sound like a pussy or anything like that, but sometimes it's better to pay your taxes. If you don't know what you're doing really good, if you're not confident, if you're not calm and relaxed, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go kicking the bear. Right. Another thing too is, uh, if you're working out in the public, obviously, I mean, you know, you're going to have to pay taxes because that's going to get reported. And if it's reported, obviously to do the honorable thing is to balance your books. And that's what basically taxes, I think, are all about. Yeah, but it uh, it all comes down to, well, okay, basically, if you've filled out a IRS form ever in your life, Mm-hmm. then it's the presumption that you're a taxpayer. You signed the contract, you mm-hmm. told them flat out you're a taxpayer, and now you're bound to a contract. Co- taxes, you, you don't just pay income tax one year and you're done forever. As soon as you cl- declare yourself under penalty of perjury that you are a taxpayer, mm-hmm. you're a taxpayer for life unless you get out of the contract. I think I agree with that completely. And let me give you my example what why I believe that to be true. Because when I got my tickets for my um uh you know, for the infraction that I got uh last month, what happened was they ended up they wrote down my New York license first and then they crossed it out and put a Florida license down. Now I never gave them a Florida license because I do not have a Florida license. When I when I got my New York license, I turned in, I surrendered my Florida license. So I don't even have a Florida license. It doesn't even exist in, you know, physically, right? I have a New York license, right? But they actually wrote down my new my Florida driver's license number. So that tells me that it's still active in the system because I haven't rescinded it. It's still sitting in the DMV here in Florida as active even though I physically do not have it in my possession. That's my what I'm believing. So that contract is still active, just like you're saying with the IRS. You fill it out one year, even if you don't fill it out for the next 10 years, it's with you for life. So I think that, that same thing goes if you initially you know, got into the system or signed to get in, it will remain there until you rescind it, if that makes sense. Are you still there? Did I lose the call? Hello? I don't know if the call is still going. Can anybody hear me? Hey, I just got dropped. I'm back, though. Oh, okay. I didn't know if anyone else could hear me. Are we the only two on? Because no one else jumped in. Uh, there's two people on the board and me and you on the phone. Okay, so there's four of us then. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, after your license is suspended, 
you're still considered under the contract as a driver, just, I guess, technically not in good standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my license isn't, or wasn't suspended. It was, like I said, it was just, um, I surrendered the, you know, the Florida one when I went up to New York and got the New York license. So when I came back here, I just haven't, you know, gotten the Florida license yet. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what I've been doing is just, I've been, you know, and as you learn more and all this stuff is going down, you're like, you know what? I'm not operating under a license, so I'm not going to be carrying one around, you know. I'm, and you start getting stubborn like that, you know, I'm, I'm just, this is the way I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do this. And so next thing you know, you get pulled over and, man, that don't work too well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot of things. I Telling the cop that you're, you're not operating under a license, yeah, he's not down with that. He doesn't know the law. He doesn't know any of that stuff. He all he knows is that you're driving, and he'll he'll you know roll right over you, and that led to the next thing, and one thing led to another, and I th- obviously everything. I truly believe that I did nothing wrong. I truly believe I stopped at the stop sign, um, you know, because even when he said uh, you didn't stop at the stop sign, I said yes, I did, and then he changed his story and says, well, you didn't stop. Uh, you went past the white marker line. You didn't uh, come to a complete stop before the marker line. Mike, you just said I went through the stop sign. Now you're changing it that I stopped past the marker line. So anyway, and he goes, don't worry, I'm not going to write you a ticket for that anyway. But he did. And so, um, you know, like I said, I wasn't guilty of that. I wasn't uh, driving under the influence. I wasn't driving at all. I was, you know, just going from point A to point B. And I wasn't uh, under the influence. But I got busted for all that stuff. And so, you know, and I went through the whole process. And I'm like, all this, you know, learning all this knowledge and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to stand my ground. Tonight's going to be the night. And I'm like, oh, great. Now, look, I mean, look what all I'm going through now. All I had to do is have my license on me and, you know, kind of take my beating there. He's like, you know, give him my license and then pay for the stop sign, you know, running the stop sign. I could have taken the uh, uh, test. I'm I'm sure I would have passed it. You know, everything would have been fine. It's just crazy. It's crazy how it all happens. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in full agreement with Carl. That Mm -hmm. is just a lot less hassle to just have a driver's license. When the cop comes up to your window and says... Right, it's not mine. Let me see your driver's license. Start mm-hmm. reaching for your driver's license and all calm and casual like. Say, mm-hmm. yeah, no problem. Is that an order? Yep, that's an order. And then as you're handing it to them, say, I believe this is property of the state. Mm-hmm. And then let them look at your driver's license and say, okay, uh, yeah, you know you're, how fast you're going? Nope. No idea. And let them write you a ticket and go home. As soon as you get home, write a letter. Greetings, Bob. I believe this ticket was issued in error. I was not operating under a license at the time. I, a man, was going from point A to point B in my property. And wait for a letter back. You can actually mail the letter back to them, can't you, within three business days? Yeah, yeah, you can... Within three business days, you can back out of any contract for no reason. You don't even have to explain yourself. 
Mm-hmm. If it's past the three days, tell them it was an error. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you mm-hmm. could uh, send it back in three days and say, greetings, Bob, thank you for your offer, but at this time, I don't feel it's a benefit to accept such an offer. And if he yeah. says, I, I don't know what you're talking about, you could even say, I believe it was issued in error, blah, 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 not operating under a license, man going here to there, whatever. Mm-hmm. And send another letter. You might want to send, uh, you never know, he might give you a letter back saying, yeah, this has gone to the prosecutor, it's out of my hands, maybe he'll ignore you and you'll get something in the mail from the prosecutor, who knows. But as soon as you get something in the mail, respond to it immediately. Stay on top of it. That's the best thing you can do. As soon as you get something, write a letter right back immediately. I don't know what to say, though. I, I get, I understand what you're saying right there, and I know it's important, but I don't know how, I don't know what to say in that response. The, uh, and I know there's so many different things that could come at you. I get you. I I, I get it, but I just uh, don't know how to respond. It takes a while to drill this stuff into your brain and actually get your head around it, understand it, start putting the pieces together and see the big picture. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you start to realize how many ways there is to skin a cat and you just start mm-hmm. laughing your ass off. But uh, Brian got a speeding ticket a while ago. I can't fully remember the letter, mm-hmm. but it was pretty much saying, uh, um, Uh, what was it? Something about uh, I have absolutely no problem paying this ticket, but the points that go on my license will cause my insurance to rise. It will cause me financial harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll pay the ticket. Just take the points off. I think um, Gus was talking about that one. He he. Uh said that on his show. I remember that. Referring to the same story, I think. That's another thing, too, is if... uh, Obviously, you know better now, but if you get a little mouthy with a cop one day and he charges you with obstruction or something ridiculous, Mm -hmm. write a letter to that cop. Say, yeah, I apologize if I offended you. Please forgive me. And what's he going to do now? Something that simple. How is that cop going to respond to that letter? I apologize if I offended you. Please forgive me. Is he going to write you a letter back and say no? He's not going to write you a letter back at all. Could but you now, a question? Like, could you please forgive me? In yeah, a why? Yeah, yeah. As opposed to making a statement, if you ask the question... Oh, I, no, I, I apologize if I offended you. Please forgive me. Right. Very short, very simple. Mm-hmm. Right to the point. And it sounds like a pretty stupid letter, but when you think about it, you if it goes to court, obviously you're going to be writing letters to the prosecutor, the man acting as prosecutor, before you go to court. But when you go to court, you've already apologized and asked for forgiveness. You've already mm-hmm. been trying to settle with man-to-man with the cop and man-to-man with the prosecutor. You've let the prosecutor know that you weren't even doing anything wrong anyway. And then now he also knows that he has to prove that you're not a man. Good luck with that. 
remember the burden of proof is on the prosecutor. He's got to prove beyond a reasonable shadow of a doubt that you're guilty is all hell. How's he going to do that? You declare yourself a man not operating under a license at the time. You're settling it private, man to man. You've already removed the controversy. You've apologized, asked for forgiveness. What more do you people want from me? Mm -hmm. I even let you guys know it was a mistake. A mistake is enough. If I'm a man and you guys made a mistake and thought I was a driver, you guys made a mistake. You should probably correct that. So now they've made a mistake. You've settled in private, man to man. You've apologized, asked for forgiveness from the cop. You're not even saying what you did. If you say, uh, greetings, Bob, I apologize if I offended you, please forgive me. Maybe you farted too close to him. You're not admitting to anything. It's so simple. Everything ties together and it's beautiful. You've taken all the controversy away. No controversy, no case. There's no witness. There's no harm, loss, or injury. You're a man, so there is no contract. Holy shit, what are we going to get this guy on now? And it's just simple. There's so many ways to spin this cat. And it's just plain logic. It just takes a while because we don't understand common sense anymore. We've been bamboozled. We've been lazy. There's so many ways to handle stuff like this. Like your letters, you could write letters, greetings, Bob, what evidence do you have, dot, dot, dot. Greetings, Bob, what evidence do you have, that, dot, dot, dot. Just everything they say in their letter, ask them. If he says, oh, on such and such a day, you're driving a car. Greetings, Bob, what evidence do you have that, quote, on such and such a day, I was driving a car. Just to throw their own words right in their face. Oh, you were you were charged under the um, Highway Traffic Act for speeding. Greetings, Bob. What evidence do you have that I was speeding? Or, greetings, Bob. What evidence do you have that I was bound by the Highway Traffic Act? Or whatever he says, just throw it right in his face. What evidence do you have of that? Mm -hmm. Okay, big mouth. He just said a whole bunch of stuff. Prove it. But you're polite about it. What evidence do you have? I don't know if Bob said he did something. Bob should have to explain what he means. I have no mm -hmm. clue what you're talking about. I was speeding? Really? If it comes down to it and that's what it's about, he was saying you were speeding? I would take care of it another way before this, but when you get into court, you got the cop on the stand. Okay, oh, Bob, what leads you to believe I was speeding? Oh, the radar gun told me so. Really? What, did it talk to you? How about we get this radar gun? I'll, I'll move over on the witness stand, and you can bring that uh, radar gun in here. You can swear the radar gun in. You can let it stand here and tell all of us the firsthand personal knowledge that this Mr. Radar Gun has that I was actually speeding. You could attack the calibration. You could attack the cops' training. You can attack all kinds of stuff. Right. It seems like the more knowledge that we acquire, the way I, this is how I see it, the more knowledge you acquire, you become 
um, you have the more a, a better ability to become argumentative. In other words, trying to, to get your point across, like Carl's talking about, to argue, to bring forth the light and truth um, of your your position. And so, but because you lack the experience in certain venues, let's say as an example, court, right? I've like I said, I've only been there once or twice. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm I may have acquired uh, more knowledge, but I haven't any experience. So it it's not going to go over well. That's why I don't think things are going well because I don't understand their rules of procedure and and how you know you know like Carl said that uh, that's their case. You know you shouldn't be sticking your nose into their case. Let them do whatever they're going to do. That's their case. You make your own case, and you you run with your own case. Don't be sticking your nose in it. And so, to me, that makes sense. And that you know, after I, everything went down, I'm like, I felt like I was in the wrong. Like I I should not have lowered myself to their level and started you know even acknowledging that uh, he existed. And uh, that's what Carl said. Don't even acknowledge that they exist. Don't even look, don't blink, don't even, you know, turn your head over there. So uh, that was that was my fault. You see, that's, uh, well, first of all, first comes the knowledge mm-hmm. and the experience and then the confidence and then it's a full-on belief. You don't even have to think about it. You just know this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. I think if I've been to 100 court cases, I think I would have a better idea of how things work in there and how it flows and what what happens in there. I, you know, if I would put the time, you know, like uh, some people have, um, I think obviously my abilities would be much, much better and my confidence and security and all that stuff. Yeah, I keep talking about it and I never do it, but I'm I've been I'm there. Gonna going, I'm going to start going down to the courthouse and just watching all these defendants go through the meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Doing that, it gets you familiar with the courtroom. You get more relaxed and comfortable just being in the courtroom. You hear mm-hmm. the ridiculous stuff that the prosecutor's saying. You hear how much of an asshole that the judge is being. You see the judge practicing law from the bench. You hear the jurisdictional traps. You see what kind of things the judge says that makes people stand there confused. You see how the judge rattles people and gets them all pissed off. And you just start getting used to it. It's a a familiar scene after a while. And I think that that would just make you more relaxed in court, just that alone. Mm -hmm. That's... uh, in my opinion, that's pretty much the closest thing you can get to experience without being in the defendant's chair. Um, There's something else I was going to say. I've been to uh, probably a handful, maybe five or six different trials. Uh, I'll go in and, and watch them. I've been you know, in the court a few times to watch those. They're kind of fun to watch. I'll sit in and check that out. It's kind of cool. See how everything goes. 
Yeah, it took me uh it took me about two days to do it. But I watched uh on YouTube this guy he went through a what was it a pre trial motion to suppress trial or something, if that even makes sense. They they before his trial they had a motion to suppress. And the motion to suppress went through a trial before the real trial started. And mm-hmm. then I watched the whole trial, like jury selection and everything, all the mm-hmm. cross, all the direct examinations, all the cross examinations, the opening and closing statements. And, uh, and even though I had a rough idea of how a trial goes, it, there was little bits and pieces that I, I actually saw going on and it kind of, clarified things a little more so even if you don't go to a courtroom just watch a full trial like it'll take forever because there'll be like i don't know maybe there'll be one hour segments but there'll be like 24 one hour segments Hmm. but you hear the jury selection you hear the jury instructions you hear jury's questions that they're asking Mm -hmm. uh you hear I don't know the things the uh, judge says to the defendant. You hear the uh, defense lawyer and the prosecutor squabbling back and forth. You hear the uh, you hear the cops' credibility get shredded on the stand. All kinds of stuff. You see how they how they analyze the video. You hear how the defense attorney rips the statutes apart. There's a lot of a lot of insight you can get from even watching a trial on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that, I don't think. Have you ever been a juror? Nope, not yet. I uh, I did it once. I don't know, a few no. years ago, or actually I guess it was probably a little less than two years ago, I thought I was pretty good and I uh, removed myself from the voter's registry. Mm-hmm. And then after I learned a little more, I realized I was pretty stupid. And I'm going to probably write back to the back to the uh, the voters registry or whatever and get my name put back on the voters list. Because I, uh, I want to be a juror and I can't be a juror if I'm not a registered voter. Well, sorry, if my person is not a registered voter, my person will never be selected to be a juror. Look look out look into becoming an elector, not a juror or not a um a voter. In Florida, here's what I learned. Electors elect and then voters vote. Voters are like for slaves or US citizens. They're they have no standing. Nobody cares about that. Um, but the electors determine, you know, who the uh, who the uh, individual that's elected, let's say, as president. Um, in Florida, there's like millions and millions of voters, right? I don't know how many millions, but there's only like 112,000 electors. And so those that are the electors out of, I think, in the United States, there's like, what, 535 electorals in the Electoral College? And I think 27 of them come out of Florida. So out of the 112,000, there's only 27 that are selected to to do the actual election process. And those 
27 that are selected out of the electors, they go in and put forth their vote. And those electors that vote, they determine the outcome of the presidency. So remember, it was um, Gore that won the um, uh, popular vote. So the people in mass, uh, most of them all voted for Gore. But he wasn't the president because voters only vote for you know the popularity. Who cares about who's popular? It's a matter of what the electors vote, right? So you want to become an elector. So you should look into that process and what it takes to become an elector. So what is what is so what is the main goal of that to electors have, have more power. to have more pull and who gets voted in? Right. You. It's not like you're going to have a say so, right? It's not like you're you have a chance of being selected as the one who's going to be the representative voter, um, which is obviously only they only select electors. So, you know that that's the whole thing. Like out of the entire state of Florida, there's only really 27 voters that determine the president. Who, but who what, I, what I mean is, what is the main goal of that? So you yeah. have more 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 weight on like more say in who gets voted in. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't care about any of that. Not even okay. in the slightest. Like I said, I think electors have power, whereas voters, you know, don't. It's. Do you uh, mean I, like voting power, though? Right. I would say I would say so. Yes. Yeah, I don't give a shit about any of that. Okay. I don't give I don't give a flying fuck what monkey they put in the top. Got nothing so, to do with me. I don't give a rat's ass either way. Oh, so you just want this so you can get on jury duty? Yep. Yeah, that's okay. the only reason I want on the voters list. I just want to be a juror. I wonder. You should check to see if an elector can do the same thing. Because they vote too. They're just, you know, I don't know. I don't. I've considered looking into it, but just I don't want to waste my time on that right now. I got my brain on other thoughts. Yeah, if it, if there's not that much involved in becoming elector, I might do it just because there's not many and I'm different. Not mm-hmm. that it makes any difference, any difference. But if it's just a matter of voting, I don't care. If it's easier to get on the voters list on the electors list, then whatever. I'll be a voter. Well, my person will be a voter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter who one puppet gets in office or the other puppet, what difference does it make? No matter who I vote for, the government wins. So what do I care? Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with me. I was going to tell you, I was a um, a foreman in a jury one time. We had a court case, I guess. This guy was um, accused of aggravated stalking or something like that. And so we went through the court case and uh, went back to uh, vote on it. And we went through everybody, and it was 10 one and one no decision um, that he was uh, guilty. I was the only one that said not guilty, and one, one other girl couldn't decide. And so then that's our initial vote was 10 one and one And then we went through, and I had everybody discuss their point of view all the way around the room. And everyone was like, guilty, guilty, guilty. And they were saying all the different things why he was guilty, right? And went all around the table, and it got finally to me. You know, So nearly, and by the time it got to me, even that girl had admitted it. You know, she felt that he was guilty. So it was 11, and then I was the only one that was not guilty, right? So I started talking about it, right? And as I went through, I, I said, 
you know, we're obligated uh, to, they give you the criteria uh, to uh, determine his guilt. And they have uh, five different criteria, you know, for that. And so he went through one, two, three, four. He was guilty of every single one of those. And on the fifth one, it says, uh, you know, did he do it with malice and a forethought or something like that is what it states. And I said, there is no way, you know, he was doing anything malicious and that he had, you know, bad intentions, right? He, um, so anyway, um, as I was, you know, explaining my case, then we went back and, and re-voted, and guess what it was? 12 to 0, not guilty. Hmm. Went from, I, I influenced the entire panel that much. It was like 10 to 1 and then 11 to, to 1 um, that he was guilty. And then after I spoke and went over the criteria, uh, then we re-voted, and it was 12-0, not guilty. That's a republic for you. Just takes that one man, to I, I was the one man that protected him. It was a lot of power, and that it, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, I. that's kind of what I want to do. I don't necessarily need to take over the whole room and get them to see it my way, but mm-hmm. if I can... I didn't see. I didn't think that that was my point. It was just the fact that I think they were they were um, answering, you know, coming up with their decisions from uh, their uh, opinion or their perception of it. And I said you can't look at it, you know, just you know from what you personally believe. Uh, you got to go by these criteria, you know. And so we went through and answered each criteria. And I said if you still feel, you know, that he did it with, you know malice and a forethought or whatever, you know, that he had bad intentions, then by all means, you know, say that he's guilty, you know, but uh, they all agreed that, you know, he didn't have any malice in his heart. So I think the aggravated thought, I think what happened was that some girl broke up with this guy and she just stopped seeing him. She just, you know, just ended it, whatever. But they had been dating and together, living together, the whole thing, and all of a sudden it just ended. You know, and so he, you know, was going over there, you know, trying to find out, you know, just talk to me, tell me what what happened, what's, you know, why, why are you ignoring me? And then, you know, she'd call the police on him or she would, you know, she would say, you know, you're stalking me or, you know, and, you know, it was crazy. It was just getting out of hand. And the guy is, you can tell he was just a, a whimpering little puppy who, you know, basically got abandoned. You know, he doesn't know why. And she doesn't need to tell him why. She just ended it. You know, it's like any relationship when your boyfriend, girlfriend, they weren't married. So, but, you know, usually you wouldn't do that to somebody where you're, you know, kind of cohabitating every now and then. But, what a bitch. I'd have found her guilty instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just ended it and didn't want to explain her reasons. She just, I guess, she probably, who knows if she had somebody else. I didn't know, but we didn't get to hear any of that stuff. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't meaning that you were uh, playing the big hero part or anything like that. That's not at all what I meant. But mm-hmm. what I was what I was kind of getting at is uh, if I could at least get a couple of people to do the right thing, mm-hmm. so he doesn't get convicted that would be good mm-hmm. if I could wake up at least one or two of those jurors 
So they start thinking, wait a minute, what's going on in this system? That guy made a little bit of sense and the system doesn't quite make sense. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I think it'd be an interesting experience and it's just something else I'd like to do in my life before I die. Yep. And funny thing is, I didn't tell you, but uh, the uh, judge I had for that case when I was the uh, foreman, she was the sweetest lady in the world and she I developed such a great rapport with her, right? And that was a, a few years ago, you know, probably five or six years ago. It was the same judge I had uh, today. <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me that. I think it was last time I talked to you. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Man. I'm like, I don't want her to think that I'm a bad guy. I'm like, I just, I, I don't know, man. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I love her. I mean, she's a sweetheart, but, you know, she just, uh, gosh, I didn't want it to work out that way. I wanted to be able to just sit down and talk with her in private about it. Like, invite me in chambers and let's let's sit down and talk about this so you know what my come from is, so you can see what's in my heart. You know, you'll you'll get it. I'm not I'm not trying to you know get one over on anybody. I'm like, but I know she's just I'm just you know one of the cattle that's just being fed through the slaughterhouse. Yeah, she's just doing her job. Mm-hmm. Next case, next case, next case. Let's see how much money we can make for this county today. Yep. Every single case was dismissed. Not discharged, but dismissed. Really? Um, yeah, you know the difference? Yeah. How, how many How many cases were dismissed? Oh, my God. Probably 40 or 50. I have no idea. What? That can't what be right. Why? Because they got like a 98, 99% conviction rate. Everybody goes through the meat grinder. No, 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 no. They, they're sending them through the county diversion program or something like that, community diversion program. So they feel that all you have to do is do um, a few hours of community service, and if you abide by you know that and you show up to your community service on time, you do the work, whatever, and you fill your paperwork out and you see your, you know, whoever you're, the person they assign to you or whatever, and you resolve all that, you write your letter of apology, then everything's fine. And that's how they handle it. So they make you believe that if you're part of this program, that everything's well and good and you're not guilty. Well, I was watching a Judge Judy show and he was, this guy on there says, well, yeah, I've, I've, you know, got you know, uh, something about it. I was never convicted. I was never guilty of anything. I was, um, I got the uh, county diversion program or community diversion. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, she goes, that means you're guilty. You are guilty. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. When I heard that, I flipped out. I got so angry. I'm like, that freaking economy. I'm like, because I, I had gone through that one time. And I'm like, that is crazy. Yeah, so, those those 40 or 50 cases were not dismissed. They were guilty. Right. Well, the the case is dismissed. So what happens is it stays on the record, right? And then what they do is they take those charges and they bundle them up and then they create, they float bonds on the market and they use those bonds to help build the roads and the bridges and, and develop the community. So, yeah, yeah they're banking. But what I'm saying, though, is that's not a dismissal. That's guilty. That's taking a deal. 
Yes, it was a plea. Yep, you're right. It was a plea. They plead. Yes, but I wasn't dismissed. I was guilty. Okay, well, the um, the plea that the state offered was the county diversion program. So yeah, mm-hmm. you, I agree. It's 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 guilty. You're absolutely right. I learned that you know by watching Judge Judy. Judge Judy. Yeah, but you just said that forty or fifty cases were dismissed, and I almost fell off my chair. But they weren't dismissed. They were guilty, all of them. They won't. They there's no way in hell any courtroom on this planet will dismiss forty or fifty cases in a day. It'll never happen. You see, I um, I believe that a dismissal of a case leaves it like pending. It's still there on the record. It's it's still sitting there, right? Isn't that how they float bonds? That's what I I think Winston Shrout said that that's how they float bonds to uh, build the infrastructure of the community. Yeah, well, whatever whatever they're doing in the background, whatever. Yeah, they're doing that. Who cares? But didn't Carl say that um, there's a difference between a discharge and a dismissal? He was talking about look at it from the military standpoint. When you're dismissed in the military, you go back to your barracks or whatever, and, yeah. and call upon it in the time and discharge means you're outside, the mil- you're leaving the military for good, you're done, you're discharged. Okay, but if it was dismissed, mm-hmm. that means the case is dropped. You're not guilty. Hmm. It's still open, they can come back anytime they want, but you're not guilty, it's been dismissed. You can't be guilty and have your case dismissed at the same time, it's impossible. If you get it discharged, it's over with forever. They can never come back and get you. If it's dismissed, nothing, nothing the charges... They didn't discharge any cases. Yeah, they didn't. I, I don't doubt at all that they didn't discharge any, mm-hmm. but I bet you they didn't dismiss more than one or two. Um, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that because I, I, I think almost every case was uh, they offered the uh, county diversion program. So it was like a a plea. Yes, a plea is guilty. Right. However, she used the word dismissed. That's the word, that's the term that she used. So that's why I... I don't know why she's saying dismissed, because taking a plea is guilty. Mm -hmm. It's a plea bargain. It's a deal. Mm -hmm. You're guilty, but we'll give you a break. Right. It doesn't mean it was dropped or dismissed. Okay, look at it this way. If your charges are dismissed, that means your charges are dropped. If I drop the ball, I can pick up that ball and run with it anytime I choose. Right, I agree. It. If it's discharged, the ball's just gone forever. There's no game anymore. If they were if they dismissed all those charges, then all those people could get the dismissal converted to a discharge, and then they could sue everybody. They're not just going to willy-nilly dismiss all these people because that's huge liability. If I get a case dismissed, I'll give them six months. It depends on what the case is, but I'll give them six months. And then if they haven't sent me any more paperwork after six months, I'm sending them a letter saying, yeah, I require this uh, dismissal be discharged. I require these charges be discharged. No man or woman came forward to uh, 
beef up their case and try again. Obviously, they don't have a case. Or maybe I would leave it as a dismissal. Who cares? You guys, uh, you guys think you're good enough? You're brave enough? You're going to come back after me again? I'll deal with you again. But it's, since the since the charges were discharged or dismissed, you guys want me to come back here? No problem. I'll charge you thousand dollars per hearing. You've already been through this shit before. You let me go because you didn't have any evidence. Now you think you have evidence. Well, you freaking better have evidence because I'm charging you this time. $1,000 in appearance. But just because I'm a swell guy, I would probably go $500 in appearance. Want to waste my whole day? Want to make me pay for parking? Go have to buy lunch that day? Have to do all this paperwork now? You sit here and beak off and listen to you guys make all these accusations after I've been through all of this already. Yeah, you guys are going to pay this time. So I'll leave it as a dismissal. Make some money if they get brave enough. If I get it dismissed and then, like, say, five months later, I get something in the mail saying, yeah, we uh, picked up the charges and we're going to go with it. I'll send them a letter right away. Now, thank you for your offer. I'll uh, I'll attend your little event. However, uh, it's a slight inconvenience, so you're gonna have to pay my expenses. You send me 500 bucks. When I get the 500 bucks, then I'll make my arrangements to go out there and meet you guys. We'll have our little dance again. Yeah, I I did that little diversion program thing up here before. They, uh, I, I didn't know any of this before. I had a lawyer, and mm-hmm. uh, and he was saying, "Oh, we'll, we'll do this." He's like, "He's like, yeah, we'll we'll just." Uh, I don't even remember what he said. He told me some some program or whatever. I don't know what it was. Pay fifty bucks to this little society and. Uh, go hand out food at the food bank for a couple hours for a couple of weeks or something. And, uh, mm-hmm. and the lawyer, he said to me, I'm like, well, what does that mean though? And he goes, ah, oh, it means it just goes away. He was flat out bullshit. I mean, it went on my record. Mm-hmm. I just didn't go to jail. I didn't have to pay a fine. I had to pay a little fee and work for free, help some hungry people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I worked at Goodwill for a few hours or whatever, a uh, few hours a day for a week or something like that. Yep, so I had to do that for a week, and uh, I think I uh, had to write a letter of apology, and then um, that was it. Done. But I didn't tell you, it cost me $1,500 for the uh, attorney. <laughs> he wanted his money up front. I'm like, you cocksucker. I'm like, man. Yeah. Gets his money, and then he gets me to fall for that crap, and then and then here to find out that I was I was guilty the whole... I mean, the whole thing, you're guilty. I'm like, I had... I, the whole time, I thought, he got me off, and, and it's not on my record, and I'm not guilty, and it'll never be part of my record. And so, yeah, well, that's all bullshit. It was all lies. Of course it is. He got his 1500 bucks. I'm guilty, 
and I had to work, and I had to write a letter of apology, and it's on my record forever. I'm like, what? Now, how is that? How is that good for me? I'm like, that's bullshit. That sucks. Uh, the letter, at least the letter of apology is nothing. Who gives a shit? You want me to apologize? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'll tell you mm-hmm. again. I'm sorry. I'm still sorry. I'll be sorry tomorrow. Whatever. I apologize. Good. I don't give a shit about writing an apology letter. That's fine. Community service. Uh, I don't know. I kind of handing out food to hungry people for free kind of made me feel good anyways. wasn't that big of a deal. The 50 bucks or whatever it was I had to pay to that little society, that kind of sucked, but whatever. Mm. It was better than getting a big fine. It was certainly better than going and sitting in a playpen for a while in some funny orange pajamas. Mm-hmm. I just went there because it was the closest place to the house. And I didn't have to go far. I got it over and done with quick. They were really nice to me, too. I mean, they were like, eh, no worries. You just go straighten out some clothes, whatever. No big deal. Very relaxed atmosphere. It was not like some of the places that you have to go to and bust your ass. Yeah, I got community service three times. One time I had to uh, go to a church every Saturday and it was mostly scrubbing toilets and that sucked. One Mm -hmm. time I went down to the Salvation Army. I did a little bit of uh, washing dishes, a little bit of peeling potatoes, but uh, I mostly, uh, it was funny, there was this, I went down there and there was this really big biker-looking dude with tattoos, and he was in charge of the kitchen. Uh, what was his name? I think it was like uh, John Claude or something. And uh, I guess there was uh, everybody that had community service showed up that day. Mm-hmm. And he was freaking right out. There was too many people in his kitchen. He's having a freak. And he's screaming and yelling. He's like, he's like, what the fuck? There's so many people in here. I can't even fucking move. There's not enough work for all you. And then he just he points at a couple of people. He's like, you, you, you. And he points at me. He's like, come over here. And he went into the office and uh, and he goes, he goes, he goes, hey man, can I see your card? I handed him my card. He just wrote, uh, he just wrote, uh, I'll give you ten hours today. He gave me ten hours free. Go home. I went down there. I stood around for about 15 minutes. He said, I worked for 10 hours. So let me go mm-hmm. down there. Definitely went down there on Saturday on the busy day again, every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was a few times I got 10 hours for free. But uh, the mm-hmm. other time I just, uh, just packed groceries and bags for uh, hungry people down at the food bank. I don't know, I didn't really have a... The only time I didn't like community service was scrubbing toilets. That sucked. So now I know to be a little bit selective with my community service. (laughs) Right on. I don't know, anything's better than sitting in jail. Jail sucks. I just remember walking around there going, I just want to go up to the gate and just say, hey, boss, the joke's over. Just I just want to go home now. 
just not being allowed to leave drove me fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stupid people in jail. I never met anyone, actually. I was all, all alone, really, pretty much the whole time. I guess there was a a guy that they brought in. I guess he had a violation of probation. He comes in there. He goes, eh, it's the 11th time I've been in here. And he's, like, getting his sandwich and getting his eat on. And he's like, yeah, give me the brown bag. I'll take the whole thing. He's, like, just munching away. I haven't eaten in a while. I'm pretty hungry. And I'm like, here, have mine, whatever. I'm like, you're crazy, dude. And he's like, Were you in jail or just in the police station overnight or something? It, no, we have um, it's the jail, it's the um, the county, the county corrections facility. It's they have the uh, initial holding area, and then they uh, also have an area where they send you out to population. You know, they it's it's the big facility. This is a county facility, so all the local areas come here. So all the local towns and stuff bring their people here. So it's a big, it's a big prison. But um, anyway, uh, I had never been to population, but this time they sent me to population, even though it was like only for like 10 minutes. Um, They made me get into the jumpsuit and everything. And then I ended up sending me out to the population. I had to go through that whole thing. She makes me get my you know, all my goodies and stuff and my mattress and puts me in the, the jail cell and stuff like that. Everything was in order all along the way. He goes, oh, by the way, this one here, he's a special one. Yeah, he goes, everything everything he does is with an order. So, you know, he won't give you a hard time, he says, but just so you know, everything you ask or everything that you tell him to do is, is by order only. And she goes, okay, that's fine. They're like all cool about it. They go, okay, so... He goes, okay, right this way. I'm like, is that an order? <laughs> and she, she looks back at me. She smiles. Yes, that's an order. She was really nice about it. So everything we did all the way through was an order. She gets me to the cell, and she's telling me all this stuff or whatever. And, and anyway, then she turns, and she closes the door. I went and laid down and tried to take a nap, and that was about it because I hadn't slept at all, and it was, you know, probably 11 the next morning, 11 or 12 o'clock. The next morning, I think they let let me out. I don't know what it was. I don't remember what time it was. I want to say if I went in at um, 4.26 was the transfer, and I was in for eight hours and seven minutes, so 12.33 I got out. So, yeah, I probably went went into the population around between 12.10 and 12.20 probably because I was only there for like 15, 20 minutes total. So I laid down, and like I said, within five minutes, I got up, and she takes me in front of this big table. She's sitting behind a desk with all these TV screens and stuff. She has my paper in front of me. It's got my picture and all my information pointing straight down. She has a face in right in front of me. Made me feel like there was a camera over my head or looking down upon me, um, you know, trying to uh, claim that, you know, I am the name that's that's me right there. And so she starts asking me questions. And so we proceeded to talk for about like five minutes. And the conversation was all about um, uh, the uh, capitalist diminutio maxima media and minima. You know, what uh, I was given the different, different definitions of each one because originally when they put me in there, they uh, gave me a bracelet and it was my name in all capital letters. 
So I took that bracelet off. I said, that's not me. It's not mine, not my property, and I'm not claiming to be that. So I don't accept that. So I left it in the cell. And when she got there, she goes, where's your name tag? I'm like, I don't have one. Oh, you need one. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So she comes back, and she's got my name written down, but it's uh, media, not not it's not in all capitals, but the first and and last letter of the first and last name are um, capitalized. And I said, that's nice and all. Um, can you write mine in uh, minima, where it's all lowercase? And she goes, mm, no, I'm not going to do that. She goes, um, you know, but I did, you know, I I did hear what you were saying, and and I I will accept, you know, the um, uh, capitalist diminution media. I, under, I I understand what you're saying, and I know what they all mean. And uh, so for you, I'm going to do this for you. And I said, okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and so she put the bracelet on me, and that was that. And uh, when I laid down, took my little five or ten minute power nap, and then she called me up, and and we ended up doing our little interview thing, and it was over. And I left. That's all right. That's all right. But they, right when you leave, that's when um, they um, uh, wrap all your stuff up in cellophane. And uh, as you're like, you know, walking out the door, you're like opening the stuff up and you're going through to find your property. And here, that's where all the charging instruments are. They like have them all mapped up nice and tight, hidden up underneath there so you can't see them. And then as you're like walking out the door, you're like, what the hell is this? I'm like, wait a minute. They never even they never even told me what I was charged. So I had to like read through the tickets and stuff. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. He told me he wasn't going to write me a ticket for that. Hey, wait a minute. He told me. <laughs> and I'm like, those guys are a bunch of lying cocksuckers. Let me go across the street to the corner store and photocopy all the tickets and then yeah. send them all back to him. Thank you for your lovely offer, but at this time I can't accept the burden of such a lovely gift. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to decline. Thanks, though. <laughs> hmm. I just don't want to go through the experience anymore. I feel I've had enough for a lifetime. Twice is enough. <laughs> I don't need this shit. Dude, the last one, I, I think I told you I went in for a barking dog. They uh, arrested me for Resisting arrest without violence. Did I tell you that story already? Uh, I'm not sure. Is anybody else on the call is interested in this? I'll go ahead and tell you. All right. So anyway, um, one night, it's about 10, 10 or 10.30 at night, and uh, my dog starts barking or growling, you know, someone's out there. So I walk out to the um, the door to see... Um, who's in, you know, in front of the house. And I got this black Mustang, um, you know, right in front of my house, or right in, in my, not in my driveway, but in the street at the foot of my driveway. And the car is shut off, right? And uh, there's there's guys in there. The windows are all tinted, so I can't see inside there. So I'm just looking out the window there, right? And I kind of look down the street, and I can see that there's this big... Um, I want to say like a Ford excursion and it's sitting uh, facing the opposite direction on the same side of the road 
you know, on the wrong, you know, facing the wrong way in front of another house in their driveway. And uh, there's a lady that gets out of that big excursion and she starts running down to where the Mustang is and she uh, starts talking to the driver and then she points to where the house is that's in front of her truck. And she's pointing at that truck, or I'm, I'm sorry, pointing at the house and I'm watching all of this and all of a sudden both doors open up to the uh, cop car, I'm sorry, to the uh, Mustang and these two guys wearing jet black outfits, uh, they're wearing shorts and a shirt and they're dressed in all black, no name tags, no nothing. They got nine millimeter Glocks pulled and drawn and uh, they got them up and ready, you know, in like, you know, shooting position and they take off on a run for that house. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Something's going down, right? Honey, come here, check us out. Something's going down in, right here. And uh, and I know a couple houses down, um, my neighbor is dating this guy that, uh, you know, he does coke every now and then. And I thought maybe it had something to do with maybe a bad deal and, uh, you know, something was going to go down. So I, I opened my door and I go out, you know, and I'm standing behind my truck that's in the driveway, kind of shielding myself and kind of watching what's going on because I want to pay attention and see what happens. And about, you know, they end up breaking the door in or whatever going in and um, about five or so minutes later, they come out with um, my neighbor, but it's her son. It isn't the her boyfriend, it's the son. And he's like only probably like, you know, 19, 20 years old. Well, it turns out that he had a violation of probation and um, so they were, turns out that these guys are warrant officers. So, but they're like, I mean, these guys are like 6'4", 240, 260 pounds. They're like Brian Erlocker, a big linebacker, football player type. It's huge. And um, it's about 55 degrees outside. So it's really kind of nippy out. It's real cold. And these guys are got veins popping out of their head. They're sweating profusely and shit. But they're not running at all. They're like, you know, just got them handcuffed and they're walking down the sidewalk. Well, by that time, I'm outside. My dog's outside. And so they, as they're walking, you know, toward uh, toward where I am, uh, as opposed to walking directly to their car out to the street, they walk down the sidewalk like right to where I am at the foot of my bumper in my property. But I'm at the foot of my driveway where the sidewalk starts. And anyway, my dog's barking at them. And uh, they kept saying, is your dog on a leash? Is your dog on a leash? Is your dog on a leash? And I'm thinking, fucking moron, you know my dog's not on the leash. You can see she's right there. She's standing right beside me barking, right? So anyway, they make that command three times and they go. Then um, the guy uh, says, um, what was it? Oh, he, as I said, um, I said, don't worry about her. She won't bother you. Just, uh, you know, as long as you don't uh, show any um, aggression towards me, she's she's fine. She's just barking, letting me know that you're out here, whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, the other officer pulls his gun out and he draws it and he he uh, cocks it and he says, "You better get this dog out of here. I'll shoot the fucking thing." And he he pulled a gun and he's like pointing the the gun right at my dog's face. I mean, he's like right up close to it. He's like gonna blow her fucking head off. And I'm like, you know what? If you guys are going to arrest him, why don't you put him in the car and leave? And then the guy goes, come here. And I'm like, I ain't going. I ain't coming anywhere with you. And I said, come on, sunshine. We're going to the house. 
So we turn and start walking in the house, and I hear there's a pause, and all of a sudden he goes, freeze! And he says, turn around! Hands up in the air! And he's like, and I'm like, I turn around, I look, and I'm like, and they both have their guns drawn, pointing right at my face. I'm like, what are you going to do, shoot me? I'm like, and I'm like five feet from my house, so I'm like way up by the, the house right now, and he's way out at the street. He was like right by his car. And so he comes after me, and then he grabs me and yanks my arm behind my back and walks me very forcefully down the car, and he slams me into his car, smashes my face, and then he starts jacking my arms up uh, behind me, trying to um, handcuff me, and uh, proceeds to tear both of my rotator cuffs um, and forces the handcuffs together, and uh, he says, you're fucking going down. You're going down. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't do it. I'm like, I'm a real estate agent. What is? What are you talking about? I'm, and he goes, too fucking bad. You you should have fucking you know, uh, did what we told you, um, you know, and shouldn't have been uh, such a smart ass or whatever. And I'm like, where? Oh my god, it's too much. And so they end up you know taking me to jail. And they said, we'll we'll don't worry, we'll think of something. So. That was my that was my first experience, and uh, they ended up throwing me in the back of the car. We did 60 miles an hour through the neighborhood in a 20 mile an hour zone. We went through four stop signs. Didn't bother stopping at any of them. I mean, it was scary ride. I had no seatbelt on. We did over 100 miles an hour uh, on the highway. Uh, we were doing like 100 to 110. I could see, you know, because he had his laptop open. He had all the lights off inside. So you couldn't see anything in there, but his laptop was up inside the police car, and so it was illuminating um, the speedometer and stuff, so you could actually see how fast he was going. And I'm like, you know what? You need to slow down. You know, you're being very unsafe. Um, you know, I don't have a seatbelt on here, um, and I, I feel uncomfortable. You know, he didn't give a shit. He's like, you're going down, and I'm taking you back there as quick as possible. So, anyway, that was my first ride ever. First time ever being handcuffed, first time being arrested, first time being taken down. So, when I got to the same place I ended up, you know, the second time, uh, when I got there, everybody apologized up and down. That was at the correction center. We are so sorry. You shouldn't be here. This is so wrong. Um, We're sorry this guy, you know, he's new. He's, you know, green. You know, he's just trying to make a name for himself, whatever. And, uh, he says, you obviously, you shouldn't be here, you know, because they, they listen to you. I mean, they're there just to, you know, make sure everything's safe and secure. They're not, you know, your enemy, the guys at the correction center. So they're just making sure everyone's safe. So I developed a really good rapport with everybody that was there the first time around. And uh, I, I didn't know what I was doing. So anyway, they ended up letting me out. And, you know, like I said, I had to do the county diversion program and, and uh, the uh, community service. That was the first time around. So for a barking dog, I got I got taken down. <laughs> it was pretty cool that your first bad experience was co- with cops was exciting. Yeah, right. <laughs> why don't you uh, why don't you go back and sue those assholes? Yeah, I might. I mean, I I probably could. I mean, they probably. of course you could. They they literally tore both of my rotator cuffs. Well, it was only one guy that did it, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah go get them. Show them what for. Yep. Well, I don't. I didn't know back then what I know now, and I'm. I don't know enough now. I mean, I'm. I'm getting a lot better. Where I, you know, might be able to uh, move a claim, but I have never done a claim before. So, um, even if I do one now with the case that I have, it would be my first time doing it. So, I'm not really experienced on it. <clears throat> Yeah, by the time you're done with this case, you'll have a little more experience. You'll have more time to get more knowledge. Mm-hmm. By the time you'll be a little more comfortable. And like there's I, lots of people, lots of people on these calls, and lots of people in these Skype rooms, so you can get up to speed pretty quick. Yeah, I have a a, a major case that I'm just holding off for a rainy day for Carl. Because it's going to be a a big one. It's a very big one. I was in an auto accident, and uh, I, without going into full details about it, I used to work for a large, the largest um, entertainment company in the world, right? And um, anyway, uh, I ended up getting in, getting into an auto accident, and I was nearly decapitated. And I was just busted up, broken back, the whole thing. It was just, it was horrible. And um, the, uh, everybody wanted me to get back to work as soon as possible. I mean, I almost died. They, they, um, they had uh, three EMTs, couldn't find a pulse on me. And they had to, uh, they were saying, while they were, uh, they took two units of IVs and they had them stuck into me, wringing them out, taking them, squeezing them, pressing, you know, the fluids into me. And they said, we can't find a pulse. We're not going to make it. We better call Life Lights. You know, we're too far out. You know, we're, he, he's not going to make it. He doesn't have a pulse. I'm like, I got to have a pulse. I'm looking at you. <laughs> he's like laughing. But you sure seem to be a good, you know, joking about this. You know, anyway, obviously I was in shock. And I was like shaking violently. And my stomach was distended like I was nine months pregnant. So I knew I was bleeding heavily internally. And it was it was a bad scene. Anyway, they get me in the helicopter, and the ladies are working on me, you know, trying to stabilize me and everything. And I, I want to say my vital sign, if I, I can't quite remember what they were. I want to say 60, 64 over 30 or something. It was something near, it was near death. It was, it was pretty bad. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. But uh, anyway, and I, and I, they couldn't find a pulse on me. So anyway... As we're getting in the helicopter, I say, "Can you fly over the castle one one final time?" <laughs> <laughs> and they go, "Oh, honey, you're so you're so funny. I can't believe you." And so anyway, um, she laid the uh, monitor right in front of me, and I just focused on the monitor. I just stared at the numbers, and they're forcing fluids in me, and they're working on me, and my numbers slowly started increasing. And when we got to, you know, the uh, trauma center and they were pulling me out of the helicopter when she was, you know, they were taking me from the helicopter into the emergency room, um, I looked at her and she looked at me and I looked at the numbers and and she nodded and I, she gave me the thumbs up and I gave her the thumbs up like my numbers are better, right? I'm going to make it, right? 
you know, she goes, you can do this, you can do this. You know, because my numbers were, were they're showing um, progress. Like they were, sl- they were slowly getting better as opposed to getting worse and flatlining, you know. So it, it still was not good, but um, uh, they were better. So anyway, I got in there and without going into all the gory details of how, because I never, I was never given any sedatives and uh, I was awake for the whole thing. So just to let you know, I had I had uh, skin, hair, and bone fragments embedded into the windshield, and the hood of the car came through the windshield, and my hood or my head hit the uh, windshield and slid down, and it just cut the top of my head off like a cheese grater. And where my head hit the windshield, it missed the hood where the hood came through by one inch. And you could see the marks where the glass was broken, where the hood sprung up and, and came through the windshield. It made like the letter W. And, you know, where my head hit, there's like just one inch down. You can see the, the hair, skin, and bone fragments like one inch below that. So if I would have been an inch higher, it would have literally just decapitated the top of my head off and I would have been dead. I was like that close to being dead. It was crazy. Anyway. So, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. So, anyway... Um, working for the largest entertainment company in the world and uh, got back to work, you know, as soon as I could within just a matter of a few months. I went back to work and within, like, just a few months, they were already uh, trying to get me fired. I had um, been with the company for 10 years and had an exemplary record. And then within a two-week period, they had given me five points. It takes five points to get terminated. And so... You know, you get like one point for, you know, a written reprimand. Well, they were like just lining one after the other, after the other, after the other. You're late for a break. You know, we were marking you down. Oh, you're late for lunch. You're, we're marking you down. You're, you know, everything they could do to, mark, to you know, um, write me up and give me points on my record to get me fired. It was crazy. I'm like, it was very noticeable. I was on a hit list. There was no doubt in my mind. Because I had to sit there, and, and they were, like, um, trying to bust me. And, you know, like, when you're in a work location, you would go down, um, you know, let's say take your lunch break. And then when you come back, um, the manager is there or whatever and, and uh, tells you that you're late from your lunch. And he's looked on his watch, and he says, um, you know, yeah, you left here at this time here, and you came back at this time here. You've been gone for uh, 50 minutes. You know, and, you know, you're only allowed 45 minutes for lunch. And I said, listen, I left according to this clock here at this work location, not the watch on your hand. You see the time clock? What time does your watch say? What time does that clock say? Oh, there's a five-minute difference? Oh, so then I actually took 45 minutes for my lunch? Oh, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to remove the, uh, the mark this time, but uh, you need to, you know, watch. And I'm like... I don't need to watch anything. I was doing right all along. Obviously, you're looking to get me fired. Obviously, you're looking to put points on my record. So anyway, they ended up, you know, forcing me out of the area, and eventually they ended up, you know, firing me. And uh, anyway, the bottom line is I've got a uh, huge court case. Uh, Actually, I don't have a court case. I take that back. Um, I had an attorney this whole time, 
and they kept saying, um, yeah, go to the doctors, keep going to your doctors, keep doing this, everything's fine. And then it got to be, um, I want to say, a few months out, and uh, it got to, actually it got closer to that. It got to be maybe about eight or nine weeks out, and then all of a sudden the attorney says, um, um, I've, I've been given this great opportunity um, I can't pass it up. I'm going to be moving to Chicago. Uh, my wife is going, and, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go with her. So I'm going to pass you off onto this guy. Don't worry. He's really good. This uh, lawyer, he's the best, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to, you know, let him know. And so then I met up with this guy, you know, a couple weeks later. And now we're at the about four weeks out, right? It's about maybe four or five weeks out. Um, before I reached the statute of limitations, before four years, right? And I got this new guy. So he has me go to his office to meet him, and his offices are in uh, downtown Orlando, big city. Um, They just moved into this high-rise. They're on the top floor of the penthouse overlooking the lake. I mean, it's big, beautiful. They're moving in, and he comes in, and I sit down, we start talking, and uh, I, he proceeds to say, you know, that he can um, take care of this, you know, and get it settled immediately uh, for $50,000. And I'm like, 50000 Are you kidding me? I'm like, I was, nearly, I was nearly decapitated. I almost died. They're at 100% at fault. They're, they had their telephone trucks went through a red light and, you know, hit me. Um, they're absolutely at fault, 100%. Um, and they were off property, and they were off work. They were just sitting there not doing anything in an area that they weren't supposed to be, right? Um, so anyway, um, this guy is talking to me in his office. I said, I'm not going to accept $50,000. You know, I wouldn't even accept $400,000. I go, I'll tell you what. I go, it's not about the money. I go, I want to go to court, I want it to be heard before a jury, and I want them to determine, you know, what, you know, is fair and just. I want them to admit fault, right? They were at fault. I want them to admit fault, and uh, I don't care what it costs. I, I, I don't care if I don't get anything. I want it to go to a jury. It's not about the money for me, right? And so he goes, I'll, I'll be right back. And so he goes back, and he talks to the partners. He comes back. And he goes, okay, well, um, yeah, we're going to have to uh, talk it over, blah, blah, blah. We uh, got your number, okay. And then a week later, I get a notice in the mail, thank you, but no thank you, uh, we're we're dropping you. <laughs> and they let me go immediately. Now I'm three weeks away from uh, the statutes of limitation. I have no attorney, nothing. I don't know anything about filing a claim or creating a case. And so I went to the library. I'm like panicky. I'm studying. I'm learning. I'm creating a case. And I put forth this monstrous case. And uh, then it's the very last day, the very last day on the statutes of limitations, right? And uh, I go down and uh, go to the legal office for the company that I work for. And I put in my, my notice because I heard that it's got to be a, a demand letter. I guess is what the first thing you have to do is demand letter. So I put in my notice of demand and present it to them. And then I know i got to do something else, so I take my other copy 
um, and I go down, and I don't know what to do, so I go down to the courthouse, and I um, ask for the judge that I was the um, foreman with. Remember the judge I had today, the nice lady? I yep. I I asked to see her, and they said, you can't see the judge. Yeah, you anyway, I'm like, it's imperative. I have to it, I have to see her immediately, and it's, it's imperative I speak with her. Uh, she knows who I am. Um, tell her this is James from the, uh, I was a foreman in one of her cases earlier. Um, I, I really need to speak with her. She actually came downstairs, came out, and spoke with me directly face-to-face right there you know, within a matter of like 10 or 15 minutes, I mean, which is kind of unheard of. And so anyway, I, I am like panicky. She can tell I'm panicky. I'm telling her my situation, everything that I've done, and, um, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what else I and what else is missing. I don't know what else I have to do. I've, you know, filed it with, you know, the company, I've, you know, their legal department. I did that. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do, you know. And she says, I'm sorry, but... Um, you know, I can't provide any legal advice for you, honey. Um, you know, all I can do is recommend you to go speak to an attorney. Um, I'm bound by my rules and code of conduct, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I can't help you out. She goes, you know, I'd love to, um, but, you know, it, it's just not it, It's just not something that I can do. You know, that, uh, you know you're asking something that uh, I, I just can't provide that for you. You're going to have to uh, call an attorney or speak with somebody you know, to get that advice. And I ended up leaving there with my tail between my legs, tears coming out of my eyes. I I know something's missing, but I don't know what. And uh, it turns out that um, in the four years that I had all my attorneys, not one of them ever filed the claim. I thought it was done within like the first month. They never want, they, they had me set up from day one because this is such a, powerful company, they feed every law office, they feed every attorney, right? So they don't dare bite the hand that feeds them. So I believe that they instructed them to not file the claim. And then a couple weeks before, you know, my statute of limitations was going to run out, this guy, I think, was kind of given kind of a severance package to, hey, you need to get out of town, all right? So you need to leave now. So he ended up leaving, and then, like I said, the way they treated it, it just pissed me off. And so here I didn't get anything out of it where I should have, you know, gotten millions, you know, for a court case where I was nearly killed. Um, I got nothing out of it. And then as I'm studying and listening to Carl and stuff, I learn as a man there is no statute of limitations. that It goes on forever. So yep. I can't my court case is alive and well. And I'm so excited to hear that when I'm when I was listening to Carl. Um but like I told you, I'm like that's my that's my big case that I wanna bring up to him down the road. because um, I think it's gonna be a, a monstrous case. It's gonna be a big one. It's I'm sure it's gonna be worth a lot of money, but I have no idea what it would be. It's not about the money. I, like I said, I just wanted to go to trial and experience the whole thing and have them admit fault. But uh, like I told you, I think I, on the first call I had with you, my number one case is with me and my wife, you know, trying to get our son over here. Um, that's the most important thing in my life right now. So, you know, what I'm going through right now um, is important today for me, right? Right now for me personally. 
Um, but the most important thing is obviously the situation that's going on with me and uh, my wife and uh, her child trying to get him over here and uh, make everything right. So, I don't know, I've been talking a long time. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I didn't know if the phone call cut off at all or not yet. So anyway, yeah, that's my uh, my big case. I don't know what you think about that one, but that's a I think that's a a big doozy. Yeah, I would uh, hold off on that one until you get a little more knowledge and experience for sure. But yeah, I would never move forward with that one until unless I had Carl with me. I I would not. Uh, that's a big case with a big company with big pocketbooks. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you're, they're a Dow top twenty. They're a, they're one of the top, you know, top twenty companies in the world. Yeah, I uh, I can't speak for Carl, obviously, but I'm guessing he'd like a piece of that one. Mhm. I wouldn't do it without him, honestly. I I would not feel comfortable, um, you know, against those big boys. I mean, you're talking that's big time stuff there, with pocketbooks like that. Yep. I mean, I guess I can tell you who it is because it's no secret. I mean, it's, it's uh, Walt Disney World. Yeah, they got a few bucks. You're damn right they do. Especially when they merged with ABC for a $19 billion merger. So you know that company's probably worth $50 billion plus or more. Probably more than that. I'm not sure what they're worth now, but... Yeah, Walt Disney was a fucking dirtbag anyway. Still get him. <laughs> <laughs> I think Michael Eisner is the dirtbag. What's that? I said I think Michael Eisner was the dirtbag. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I haven't watched TV since the 30s. I don't even know who that guy is. Well, he's not with them anymore, but he was their CEO while I was with them. And... Um, just to give you an idea about, you know, the kind of money that he was making for himself, he, um, the first year, I believe, the um, highest paid CEO at the time was Lee Iacocca for Chrysler or whatever it was, mm-hmm. paid himself $8 million a year, the highest paid CEO, and Michael Eisner paid himself $40 million, so five times higher than the highest paid CEO. That's his first year. The second year... He paid himself two hundred and three million dollars. The third year, he paid himself five hundred and seventy-six million dollars. You, you get what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, this guy here is—he's raping the company left and right, right, for millions of dollars. Yet, um, you know, while I am under his watch, um, you know, tries to get me fired, and you know, kind of shushes me away, chews me away. I just don't think it's right. Yeah, I don't think it's right that that guy's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year and I'm doing talk shoe shows for nickels. Yeah. I think I made a wrong turn in life somewhere. (laughs) My grandma used to always tell all of her, you know, my grandma, she goes, you know, my grandson, he owns Disney. He works for Disney. He owns Disney World. And I'm thinking, Grandma, someday that's going to be true. <laughs> <laughs> With the help of Carl, God damn it, I'm going <laughs> to own that place. 
That would be cool. That would be entertaining to uh, have that case on talk shoe, you know, bringing forth that case and, and let that evolve and let the people listen and see how that plays out. That would be kind of cool. Yep. But I'm still so nervous of talking to Carl. I still haven't talked to him about my case with my, my wife yet. <clears throat> he said, you know, next time you get a chance, get on a talk show and you know, just tell your story and we'll we'll do it on one of my shows. And I just never, I've only talked about that that situation with you on your show. I haven't repeated it yet. So I don't know how how he would handle that or, you know, how he would go about resolving that. But uh, right now I got this in, in front of my face. <laughs> so, and I think he kind of uh, is the position where he, he wants me to experience it, you know, good or bad, whatever happens. So he's like, if you fall on your face, you fall on your face kind of a thing. I don't know. But it's just how I kind of perceive it. I mean, obviously... I can't have him, you know, do it for me. I would, I would love for him just to come up and, you know, get me out of this. But, you know, I'm sure everybody across the world wants that, you know. Hey, come and get me out of this one. Hey, come and get me out of this one. You know, I, he probably gets that, you know, every day all the time. So I can't expect that. I got to, you know, do my own work. So just trying to learn as best I can, trying to acquire the knowledge and, get past the uh, the frustration and anger stage and and uh, whatever you want to call it the uh, I don't know dickhead stage or whatever she you know where they think you're being a jerk you know you're in there and you're like responding to all of her I don't know I just look back on that and I'm like what a dick How could I represent myself? I could present myself, but I can't represent myself. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely true, and I think she knows that I know, or that, you know, she knows that, but she's only speaking in that capacity. She, all those words, she has to say those words. It's, you know, she has to talk about persons. She has to talk about representing. She has to talk about attorneys. That's that's what she's programmed to do. Yep. But dude, I, I'm telling you, it just, I just feel like I came across like a dick. Like, I don't mean to be a dick about it, but I might, I might know a little bit, but I, I'm like, shit. Yeah, I would love to get to the point where I can comfortably, you know, speak to a judge and uh, not worry about it. And Carl has that. He that's his demeanor. You know, he's just he's just assertive and bold, confident, and uh, he knows what's up. He knows what's around the corners. You know, he he knows where he's going. He's got the map all laid out there, and he's going from point A to point B. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm gonna start. Uh, you know who Mo is? In the UK, I have heard the name, but I've never met him or you know been introduced to him yet. Yeah, he's uh, he's been on Carl's call a couple times, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna start talking to that guy, and mm-hmm. 
yeah, that guy's awesome too. Some of the stuff he does in uh, in court. Mm-hmm. Is he they had that really strong accent? I have, I may have heard of him. Is yeah, he he's, yeah, yeah, he's he's got an accent for sure. Yeah, the like the Ireland type of accent or whatever it is, Irish accent. Um, Scottish yeah, accent. Maybe. I don't, I don't know where he's from, but he's he's got yeah. He seems when he's talking, he um. He seems to uh, know his stuff. I actually have heard him on one of yeah. the talks one time. Yeah, he's awesome. Mhm. Yeah, he's uh he's comfortable going to court. You can tell for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, you know, where he's from uh, specifically, but uh, I I vaguely remember uh, him talking about how to, you know, carry yourself and and what to say and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, he uh, he does a lot of void orders. That's what uh, Bill Thornton was doing, right? Yep. Yeah, he does those too. And so, how how is that done? Is that done similar to like a uh, a notice? that you put into the court that voids um, that specific order that has been given to you? Um, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know a whole lot about void orders yet, so I don't know if I really want to try and explain it and say something stupid, but mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't seem all that hard, but uh, I'm guessing like anything else, they're going to test you. Right. Yeah, but I think that's awesome. Get a court order, leave the court, void it. (laughs) Wow. Well, you can't void the summons. That's an order of the court. The arraignment, that's that's an order. What do you do a void? Uh, A summons, you don't really have to void it. You probably just... uh, What's called an arraignment is what the you know, they use in the, the terminology and on the paper, I think. Well, a summons and an arraignment are different. You get summoned to an arraignment. Mm-hmm. But you can get summoned to uh and I don't I don't think it has to be just uh just an arraignment. I'm not really sure though. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I'm pretty sure you are. I'm confident you are. Yeah, there's uh there's a way to deal with everything you get in the mail. Anything a cop hands you, anything a judge hands you, a bailiff, court clerk, any kind of orders you get. Right. But you see if we if we would get a list of all the different things that you can do, right? You can imagine you can like teach a second grade class if you want all the different things that you can do by all the different letters that you get, you know, from anybody, whether it's a judge or a cop or a third party debt collector and stuff like that. Have all these different, you know, uh notices or letters and stuff and and uh, then you start creating your own. You have an idea of what different ones you can do and then you start creating all your own and then you have them all on standby 
And so whatever you get, you go, oh, that, that requires this letter here. Okay, I've got a template of that one here. And then you kind of critique it so it fits the letter. And then you mail it off. It's yeah. that's how I handle things. That's how I best handle it. Like I would already have something like that set up. But uh, when I have to take a blank piece of paper and then I'm like, okay, so how am I going to write this? How am I going to stylize this? What am I going to say? And so then... You know your your main your mind is blank because you've never done it before and you don't know how how to go about doing it and so that slows everything down for me. Like I don't know if I told you, but my my brain has completely rewired itself. Did I tell you that after my accident? No. Instead of going like imagine going from point A to point B, your brain, uh, the neurons that fire in your brain, they go from point A to point B in a straight line. Well, mine do not go in a straight line anymore. It's like a ball of yarn. It may zigzag left, right, up and down, you know, 15, 16 different directions, and eventually it ends up at point B, right? So my brain has rewired itself to be able to get, you know, the task completed, but my brain is working a lot harder to get it done, and that's to do everything. And so because I have, like, my brain set up that way, um... I have a very poor short-term memory. Very, it's it's very bad now. So I've got to do things over and over and over and make mistakes and and fine-tune and correct and and slowly get better. Whereas you know before my accident, you tell me something once, I got it, move on, and I got this, and and it, things just flowed really smooth. Now I've got to really work on it, and you know I'll forget things and. Uh, my long-term memory is pretty good. It, it's actually really good. I still have my long-term memory, but my short-term memory, it just requires a lot of work. And so, you know, you would never know it by looking at me or talking to me, but if you've seen, you know, seen me work and seen me do things, you'll see that, you know, it's very difficult for me. Um, it's very taxing in my mind and my brain, um, you know, to do things, uh, simple tasks. Um, not like, you know, brushing my teeth, not like that kind of a simple task. But let's say if I were to um, start as a server at a restaurant and I have to memorize the menu, all right, that would be like reading the dictionary for me. Like, oh, my God, i got to memorize, read over an entire menu and memorize the whole thing in a matter of like, you know, three days or a week. That would destroy me. It's very difficult for me. So that's what I'm referring to as my short-term memory. Um, you know, working a POS system as an example, if you were a server, or um, you know, starting and running a new program on the computer. Let's say whether it be uh, Microsoft Word or or PowerPoint or you know whatever it might be. Does that make sense? Yeah. So anyway, but that's you know something I just deal with. You know on a personal level, you know, that I got to handle the rest of my life, you know, because of the accident. Yeah, I didn't have any crazy accidents like that or anything, but uh, my memory sucks too. I Nothing. spent uh, so many years smoking weed and mashing my brain with alcohol, and I was a bit of a daredevil in my younger days, so I took my share of bumps on the head. Yeah, me too. How many concussions I've had over the years. Yep, I've been there, done that. I used to love to 
fight. You love what? I used to love to fight. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I used to get my face kicked in all the time, especially at the bar. Wow. I used to to fight when I was in elementary school. Like, all the way up to, like, um, seventh or eighth grade, I stopped fighting when I I got braces. No. No, I I didn't lose. (laughs) No. I was was the one fighting, and I, I usually won. But um, I, I promised my mom that I wouldn't fight once I got braces, and so I never fought again after that. I so, fought when I had braces. That's a stupid thing to do. Yeah. So I've never been in a fight since I was, like, in seventh or eighth grade. So it was... I used to fight all the time. I mean, people would, you know, make a comment, and if I thought that they were saying it in a derogatory manner, I'd, I'd start a fight. Yeah, that's why, that's why I asked if you got your ass kicked, because uh, no, I was I was the champ of the schoolyard, mm-hmm. and until about grade seven, I moved to the city, the big city. Oh. Some tough kids in the big city. I got my face kicked in a few times. Um, and then I stopped. I kind of stopped fighting for a while mm-hmm. until I started drinking real hard in a shitty mm-hmm. punk band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just had no fear. Like, I had big wow. guys come. I would just shoot my mouth off like crazy. I, I, I wouldn't... I was I was being a serious asshole, but I had this habit of finding a big guy in the bar that was being a dick to people. And mm-hmm. I would just start gunning them off, just giving them the, the, the dirty eye. And, uh, and they'd always come over and start saying shit to me, and I would just laugh at them and make fun of them, start calling them names. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, they'd be like, you want me to take you outside and kick the shit out of you? And I would just laugh and say stupid stuff like, uh, what, you think I'm scared of you? I've been punched out by bigger guys than you. I used to get my face kicked in all the time in the bar. I didn't care. What the heck? Yeah, I don't know. I've been an animal for a while. Yeah. But got a little older after after that and getting beat up kind of hurt. Right. The booze wears off and <laughs> don't heal as quick. <laughs> yeah, mm. no, I, don't, yeah, I don't even like going out in the cold. Right. Well, after this freaking situation, I don't think I'm ever even going to go out again. <laughs> just screw that. I think they lost business. They're they're losing their commerce. It's not safe to go outside. There's cops everywhere. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Just keep it closed. I don't know. Yeah. I... Uh... I don't even remember last time I talked to a cop. Actually, yeah, I do. That was a very good experience. <laughs> yeah. One of my good buddies is a cop. Funny. Good could be bad. <laughs> yeah, he's a real nice guy. He's a former NFL football player. The beast. He's about 6'3", 265, 280 pounds, depending on if he's juicing or not. Talk about, you know, he looks bigger than Brian Urlacher. He's, he's, a he looks like a bodybuilder. He's huge. Yeah, I ain't been punched out by bigger guys than him. 
No, he's he's big, he, and he's an athlete. I mean, this guy was a a defensive back, so he's extremely fast. This guy is unbelievable. He sh- he should be playing in the NFL right now. He definitely could play. He used to play for the Los Angeles Rams or whatever back in the day. Before they moved to St. Louis, I guess, or whatever. We used to ride motorcycles together for a few years. You ride bikes at all? No. I got rid of mine, I guess, probably, I don't know, that's probably almost been 10 years now. <clears throat> I really like them, though. It's, it's a, this is a great place to ride, I think, because all the roads are new and fresh, especially when you go out to Disney. Man, it is beautiful out there. <laughs> the roads are really nice, so... All the bikers get together and we, you know, 15, 20 of us will go out riding, take a ride on the roads and hit all the on-ramps and off-ramps and bridges and we have a blast out there. So it's a really nice, nice area, I think, to uh, to ride motorcycles. Yeah, I rode a few dirt bikes in my day, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember one time, uh, the first time I was ever on a dirt bike, mm-hmm. it, it was way too big for me. I, was, uh, I don't even know how old I was, but I was, uh, I don't know, probably 14, 15. I get on this bike that was kind of big. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and the guy goes, he goes, okay, give it a little bit of gas and let the clutch out. <laughs> so I gave it a little bit too much gas and just let yeah. go of the clutch. The thing took right off. <laughs> Launched it. Oh, my God. Yeah, the thing went flying. <laughs> I didn't. I just fell on the ground, and the thing took off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can tell you my first experience on a motorcycle was funny. Actually, it wasn't. It was more closer closer to a mini bike than a motorcycle. It was, you know, for a smaller kid. Anyway, this uh, kid got a brand new motorbike, and uh, he. I kept asking, "Can I? Can I take? Can I take? Can I give her a ride?" Yeah. Okay. Finally, he said, "Sure, you can do it." I'm like, "Okay, I got this." And I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna take it for a ride." And so I take it for a ride, and I'm going down the street, and I'm like. I'm trying to go through the gears, and I'm like, you know, first, second, third, fourth, and it's like, and it won't do anything because I'm, I'm, like, not doing it right, right? It's like I keep, you know, going, clicking down on the uh, gear shifter instead of, like, bringing it back up. You know, it's usually one down and four up. So I kept going down, 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 down. <laughs> I think I'm going to go first gear, second gear, third gear, but it's like first gear, first gear, first gear, and I'm like, ring, ring, ring. Driving down, the, driving down the road, you know, or, you know, and my neighbor's out looking at me, going, uh, "Shift gears." <laughs> it was hilarious. I'm like, I was so embarrassed. Like, what the heck is damn thing about shifting gears? <laughs> I kept, you know, smashing on the uh, gear shifter. 
on the pedal of my foot and it wouldn't do anything. I get to the end of the end of the street and then I click up and and then it changes the gears. I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. That was funny. Little, probably what was like my eight year old kid, eight or nine year old kid. First time on a motorbike. That was fun though. Dang. Are you a night owl or what's up? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I uh, my sleeping habits all screwy. I yeah. um, yeah, I didn't I didn't sleep at all last night. I'm kind of dying to sleep right now. Wow. So yeah, I didn't sleep last night, and I stayed up all day, and then I now I'm up all night again. So. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, trying to help some guy help his friend some fake rape case. The guy's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's ridiculous. The guy, I don't know, there's a bit of a story what happened. There's a couple of girls involved and somebody, somebody's daughter got caught doing something in the bedroom she shouldn't have, so she cried rape. And there's I don't know if this guy got um, I guess they had everything all set up he I guess they did some kind of an investigation he didn't know about it, and then I don't know, I think they set up some grand jury thing and then arrested him, and then two days later they had a grand jury hearing and indicted him, and he wasn't even aware that there was a hearing and uh so he was arrested, I think it was like November, middle of November or something. Mm-hmm. And he had a court date like every couple of days for a little while. And uh, and he knew nothing about February, it? I think February 9th is his trial or his pre-trial or something. I don't even know what's going on, but they ran him through like crazy. Mm-hmm. They... uh they got the grand jury indictment before the results of the rape kit came back and it came back negative. He didn't even do anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they can indict him before the results of the test come in, but the test proved negative. There's no witnesses. And the best his public defender could come up with was six years in prison. What? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the public defender should be demanding that he be released. You well, know, I I think that's done. why they're running him through so fast because they know he didn't do it. They know they can't possibly get a conviction unless they just ram him through at lightning speed. Yeah, but obviously, it it that scene is so fraudulent, like. They just want the money. Like, yeah. Apparently, um, apparently, uh, this guy's. I think it was his cousin. Went on Facebook and uh, goes on this girl's Facebook page, and it's mm-hmm. her and her friend talking back and forth, going, 
yeah, sorry, I fooled around. Let's just call him. Let's just call him Bob. But she's like, yeah, sorry, I fooled around with Bob. And then her friend replies back with, yeah, I'm sorry, I fooled around with him too. And they're sitting there talking back and forth about about their relationships, their little flings with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I guess. I guess this chick banged him a few times and then she got caught by her dad and told her dad that it was rape. And apparently there wasn't even any sex. So I don't, I don't get it. Hmm. Oh, so basically he, they probably got into bed together and he probably was fingering her. So that. that hey, this um, is a family show. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, hey. <laughs> I forgot. I thought I was just having a phone call with you. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, forget that it's recorded. It's early enough in the morning, all the kids are in bed. Okay, I take that back then. Sorry about that. Strike that from the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta disable this call. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I uh Yeah, just kinda yeah, I don't even I haven't even seen much of the paperwork yet, so I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on, but mm. Yeah, I was up all night doing that. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Now, is this guy uh, from the States, or is he local with you? No, he's from the States. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. This is uh, one of the strangest cases I've uh, been involved in in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it kind of sucks because, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got jury selection, well, later today, I guess. But mm-hmm. he's in jail. His public defender's a dick. And they're moving so fast against this guy. And it's a pain in the ass to get his uh, case file. Like, we got bits and pieces of it, but... I don't know. This guy doesn't know anything about anything. He's 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 a kid. Mm. So I don't know. It's going to be kind of fun. So how did he come across you? Did he hear you on a talk show somewhere? Or? No. Uh, if he a friend know. of mine I know from talk show and Skype. It's uh, his friend. He just kind of called me up and he told me the story. And I was like, you got to be kidding. He's mm-hmm. like, nope. He sent me some of the paperwork and explained me the story. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, trying to bond the guy out. Like, I don't have any money, but my buddy, he he didn't have enough money to bond him out, but he was going to use his house as, I don't know, I think they call it surety or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're giving him a hard time about the house has to be appraised and it has to be this, it has to be that, it has to be something else. And, and uh, so he said, yeah, well, the guy's going to fire his lawyer tomorrow. So what does that mean? And she's like, oh, well, if you fire the lawyer, then you're going to have to uh, get the paperwork and 
he's like, where do I get the paperwork? And she's like, oh, well, you're going to have to talk to a lawyer about that. Or uh, if you're not, if you're not going to get a lawyer, then you're going to have to do the research yourself and just all kinds of crap. Oh, you got to, you got to call the sheriff's department, call the sheriff's department. No, you got to call the uh, circuit, the circuit clerk or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to slam the brakes on that one real quick. Hmm. And apparently you can't subpoena deleted Facebook posts. Which kind of sucks a little bit. I thought everything was uh, admissible. Um, I don't know what it is some kind of privacy law thing or something. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't haven't really looked into it too much yet. Like I think under certain conditions, you can get your own deleted messages from Facebook, but somebody else can't get somebody else's Facebook messages or something like that. Hmm. But I don't know. I'm... I'm wondering if uh, if he can just require it, and if she refuses, then hopefully he can just make her look bad because she's got something to hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't really want to get into it too much, but uh, I got a few ideas, a few things written. better him than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's coming awful quick. I mean, February 9th, that's going to be here a week and a half or you know, just over a week away. A week and a half away, something like that. Hmm. Yeah, it kind of sucked too because uh, I just went to bed when the guy called me too. I don't know, I think I've been up almost three days now. I'll probably go to bed like soon. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I my body just shuts down, like I'm ready to shut down now and I'm afraid if I like shut down now I'm like I'm not gonna be able to get up. <laughs> I gotta be at court tomorrow at eight fifteen again. Yeah, you probably should have went to bed a while ago. Yeah, I know, but we started the call, and I didn't want to, like, leave, you know, leave it hanging. So, yeah, I'd stay on for the duration and tough it out. Gus said he was uh, just going to have a private call with Carl. Call tonight, because I was talking, I was uh, sending messages to Gus, too, to see if he was going to have a call. And he just said he was on the 
phone call or on a phone call with Carl and they were just talking about his, you know, time with uh I'm sorry, his time with um Bill Thornton. So they were just kinda of wrapping it up, talking about their night. Yeah, like, that as if it wasn't cool enough having Bill Thornton on my call and Carl mm-hmm. came on too. That was freaking amazing. I had a feeling, you know, when I heard Carl there too, I had a feeling that it, he he just slowly took. You notice how he slowly took over in the beginning. Bill talking quite a bit, and then he. What just, do you mean? What do you mean slowly? As soon as Carl came on, he took over immediately. Um, it's funny though, it, you know, he, how he uh, starts talking, and then Bill trying to talk, in and and Carl has to, ah, 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 and. He just keeps going until he can keep talking, and then he just keeps his point right on through. Just kind of steamrolls right over him. I Carl thought it was pretty him. funny, too. Carl went probably three hours without saying a swear word. And yeah, then that guy started, and all of a sudden it came out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll throw your fucking husband through a wall, and I'll break you in half. You'll fucking listen to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carl's awesome. Mhm. I think it was. I thought it was hilarious too when he was talking to the uh, the Guyana lady, and he goes to her. He goes to her. You're fucking Catholic, aren't you? Go to the fucking church. <laughs> Carl, she's 55 years old. She's a grandma, and she's Catholic. You probably right. don't have to yell swear words at her like that about the church. Right. <laughs> and he said. He's like, don't talk to the priests, don't talk to the bishops, they're all drunks, they're a bunch of assholes. Go talk to a nun. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, he makes me howl. Did you hear uh, episode 70 when he was on my call? Mm, don't recall 70. No. He was uh, He was freaking out on Carlos. And he's like, he's like, what was the charge? And he goes, uh, he goes, obstruction. He goes, obstruction? What? Obstruction of a snowmobile, a sea otter? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I heard that one. Yeah, the uh, sea otter or whatever. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah well, if you got charged with uh, obstructing a snowmobile or a sea otter, you'd know what that meant, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I then. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that phone call was so long tonight. I couldn't believe how long it lasted. Yeah, most of my calls are right around five hours. Mhm. Yeah, this is the first time I've done two calls in a row in a long time. The first time I talked to you was, uh, you did it. You had one five hours on Carl's show and then another five hours on your show. But you did two back-to-back on your own tonight, right? Yeah, I did a few back-to-back way back in the day, but I haven't done that for a while. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have a call after Carl's or a call after Angela's. Mm. I think I've had more calls this week than I had last month.
Actually, I think they technically had three calls today. Um, you may have. Did one of them drop off after? Yeah, one of them dropped off after an hour. Remember that? Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, there's already two calls posted for tonight, and then the one we're on now, three calls in one night. Mhm. Do you um post all of your calls or or no? Uh, I did have them all posted. And then I went back and I disabled them all. And then I started going back and picking which ones I wanted to repost. Mm-hmm. And then I got sick of listening to my own voice, and it seemed like a kind of it seemed like a waste of of time mm-hmm. listening to me talk about what I already know. Right. So I don't know. I just kind of figured I had better things to do, like learn something. Do you um are you able to um uh, like segment uh the calls off at all on the certain things and post only certain amounts? Or is it all nothing with, with talk show? Um, I'm not able to, but if somebody knows what they're doing, they can take them down, cut them up or whatever and put them back up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know how to do that. I'm uh technology intolerant. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't got time for that shit anyways. Always mm-hmm. doing something else. I don't know if anybody ever has uh if anybody has a favorite episode or if they were on an episode and they wanna hear the information, they can let me know what episode it is, but other than that, it'll probably take me a really long time to repost them. Are you in the Eastern Time Zone where you're at, or are you um, over in Central? What's that? What time zone are you in? You're Eastern, what, right? What, what time what? What time zone are you in? Eastern. Okay. Yeah, so the same as I am. I was just wondering if it was the same time where you're at. Holy crap, it's 4.45. Yeah. Waste another two hours of my life at that uh, damn court case again tomorrow. I know they're going to look at me and they go, oh, God, not him again. (laughs) If I had the same prosecutor, if I had the same, maybe a different judge this time, but uh, all the people in there will be the same. It was funny. I don't know if I told you this, but um, you know when they um, have you... Uh, stand and uh, swear in, right? Yep. So everybody stands and swears in or whatever. Well, before you do all that, um, maybe you're sworn in before the judge comes in. Anyway, um, you're sitting down, and then the the judge comes in the courtroom, and the uh, bailiff, you know, yells out, "All rise!" 
And the yep. whole courtroom, everybody stands up except one guy, except one man, <laughs> me. <laughs> sitting in the corner, I'm just sitting there. And then as everybody, he goes, you may be seated. And as everybody's sitting down, I kind of like lean forward like I'm, you know, getting ready to sit down. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, well, that's good enough. So I never got up. And I'm like thinking to myself, what do, what do you mean by the, what's the definition of the word all? What do you mean all? All what? All what rise? What rise? What do you mean rise? What What does rise mean? Holy crap, there's a lot of people named all in this courtroom today. That's <laughs> I'm wondering. Are you talking to me? Are you like, yeah, my name's not all, and uh, rise what? Rise, I mean, a lot of things rise. Bread rises, you know, my my leg can rise, my dick can rise. I'm sorry, oops, I can't say it. It's a family show. Family show. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, but anyway, I'm just saying, you know, so anyway, by him saying all rise, I'm like, yeah, mm, no, nah, that's not me. I don't know who you're talking about. So anyway, I get dirty looks all the the entire time, and there, this guy's like staring me down. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, dude, nothing personal, you know, as far as I'm concerned, nothing personal. They don't like anybody rocking their boat. That's what I'm noticing. They got their boat floating and it's floating nice. They don't want anybody rocking that thing. They like it when slaves, nothing but slaves, come in there. Do as they're told. Submit. You come in here, bow before your master. The lawyers bow in the uh, courtroom when they come in and out? No. We don't have any lawyers. They're all called attorneys. A lawyer. No, I mean, like when you when you cross from the uh, from the pews up to the tables. No, no, they just walk right up there, like business as usual. There's no bow or respect or anything like that. Yeah, it's funny up here. The judges uh, or the uh, lawyers call the judge your worship. <laughs> They friggin' bow to the guy. Yeah. I don't know. I guess technically they're probably bowing to the altar. (laughs) I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know. That's weird. You know that judges are also priests, right? I don't know. I mean, I I don't think that they know. I don't think that they know. Right, right. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I agree, too. They're all just a man. They're all hairless apes with a gown on. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how I should approach tomorrow's case. To try it differently, see if I can get a different outcome. That is going there and just submit. Just uh, plead guilty to the facts. Take my little beating, whatever it might be, and try to stay in honor. I don't want to, like, afraid if I talk too much, I'm going to piss them off, and they'll just say, oh, not guilty? Okay, well, we're going to throw the book at you for this one. Did you Do you have any paperwork filed for tomorrow? No, I don't have anything filed yet. I have 
a ton of paperwork, but I just don't have anything filed. What What is the hearing tomorrow? Uh, the uh, stop sign. It's just the arraignment? Yep, the arraignment for the stop sign. So I think tomorrow you, you'll, you know, plea, you know, whatever you're going to plea. Guilty, not guilty. Tell me you need more time. And stop being a lazy, stop being lazy and uh, get some paperwork in. If I guilty just say just say the paperwork's really, really confusing and you require more time to see competent counsel. Go talk to the prosecutor. Write yourself a little letter tomorrow saying something to the prosecutor like uh I don't know, think of some, my brain's kind of fried right now, but just uh, something like, uh, greetings, Bob, I'm having a problem. I was having problems with the paperwork, and I require more time to seek competent counsel so I can be more prepared for court, something stupid like that, and uh, go to the prosecutor's office bright and early. And I have no idea where that is. I have no idea anything about that. There's a good chance it's in the courthouse or right across the street or something next door. Yeah. Go uh, go on the internet and look up the district attorney's office for your little county or whatever. Yeah, the state's attorney's office. Yeah, I don't know if you can. <laughs> I'm on their website. The uh, that's what he was telling me to do. Just go on just go on the website. Look it up. I have no idea. Man. If you uh I'm gonna write up a letter and say dear and leave it blank and write out your letter and then maybe go into the prosecutor's office in the morning and see if you can find out who the, it'll probably be the assistant district attorney that'll be in the courthouse, but just ask them who's who's prosecuting your case. You need to speak to them right away. It's really important. You got to talk to them before court. Find out what their name is, and then just scribble their name in there and, uh, and say, uh, ask her if she can timestamp it or stamp it received or something. And then take a photocopy of it and give you your your letter back. And then if there's a photocopier in there, get a photocopy. Or if you can get a photocopy before you go to the filing office, but then file it. Well, actually, don't even file it into the uh, don't even file it into the um, case. If you get a chance to talk to the guy and hand him the letter, but uh, if you talk to him beforehand and you're just you're just straight up with him, yeah, I tried to do the paperwork. I was having problems doing it. I I, I don't get any of this. Uh, I haven't got a lawyer yet. I just need more time to get to seek competent counsel. Don't say lawyer. Just say seek competent counsel, mm-hmm. and then. 
there's a chance that you're going to go into court, they're going to call your name, you'll go up to the table, and the prosecutor will say, yeah, your honor, this is so-and-so, and uh, case number so-and-so, and uh, I spoke to him before court, and he uh, he's requesting more time. Uh, how about a 30-day continuance? Yeah, okay, no problem, and you're out of there. And that'll give you enough time to send out three or four letters, try and straighten something out before next time. <clears throat> And then next time when the judge says, I'm going to enter a not guilty plea on your behalf, then you can scribble on a piece of paper, he who bears liability, he who acts on my behalf bears liability, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't take, see, I I put paperwork up on, on the podium and they all ignored it. And so I had to take it back. I like left it up there the whole time I was talking. They was like they didn't even acknowledge it. I'm like when I asked, uh, I, asked him, I got paper, you know, to put into the court, and the, nope, they just ignored me. Like Steve the, the thing is, the thing is, you're not going to be a dumbass this time. You're going to have some paperwork in there before you go in next time. Mm-hmm. And then when the judge says, "I'm going to enter a not guilty plea on your behalf," then say. I require leave of court of two minutes so I can provide a proper answer to the court in writing, something like that, and then just scribble down something and look over at the bailiff, give him the nod and hold the paper up. He'll come pick it up, bring it to the judge. He'll probably read it in the record. Hmm. Wow, that's so overwhelming. I mean, it all it all sounds perfectly fine here between us. Getting it to actually work. Well, you'll have paperwork already filed, anyways, but mm-hmm. you'll have a little more experience. Well, not more. Well, yeah, you'll have a little more experience from tomorrow, and then uh, you'll have a month or sixty days or whatever you get to uh, do some studying and write some more notices and letters and stuff. Mm -hmm. See, Carl made it sound simple. He just says, um, when I I had a call with him, he was talking to me, he said, oh, that's real simple. Um, You had a stop sign? They said, you didn't stop the stop sign? Uh, Tell him you sneezed. You know, it's an act of God. What are you going to (laughs) do? They know what's up. See, and he like, he goes, they know what's up. It's, you know, they they got no case. Done. And I'm like, if I try to do that, there ain't no way I'm going to pull that off. I mean, I can do that with the most confidence in the world. And uh, they're going to look at me like, whatever, dude. Yeah, you see, you say that, mm-hmm. but that just shows you don't have the confidence. You're already defeating yourself before. What? If I was a judge, mm-hmm. you can... and somebody was there for going through a stop sign, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Well, why did you go through the stop sign?" Uh, I sneezed. I'd probably laugh and let you go just because it was the funniest thing I heard all week. <laughs> and I'd say something funny too. 
Like, mm-hmm. oh, who am I to overrule God? I'm <laughs> free to go. Right. I think I'd make a bad judge. I don't think I'd have a very high conviction rate. <laughs> Me neither. I have a heart. I have a huge heart. But I'm sure they get callous after a while. You almost have to. I mean, we only see just a a little snippet of what it is. You can imagine eight hours a day every freaking Monday through Friday. It's got got to wear on you after a while. Having a bunch of stupid assholes in your court all day long going, I'm not going to pay. I didn't know. What do you mean? That's not fair. Yep. I don't have any money. Okay, well, I'll go sit in jail until you do have some money. <laughs> yeah, see, I was afraid, like, that was going to come next. I was like, shit. I'm like, if I if they, like, sit there and ask me, because they want you to fill out this application, they want you to tell them, you know, uh, where do you work and how much money do you make. They want to know all these things and stuff. And, man, it, you know, how much money do I make? None of your business. I mean, my boss? Payroll? What? They want you to write down a number so they can, you know, take that money away from you. How is that relevant to my case? Oh, not my case. How is that relevant to the to the case that uh, to the case before the court? They want to make sure you have the ability to pay. Fuck them! I went through a stop sign. This is about a stop sign. It's not about how much money I have. It's not about my. I'll, I'll worry about my ability to pay. Yep. Yeah, prosecutors are famous for that. They sit there and they spew off all this garbage. Obviously, for one, they don't have any first-hand personal knowledge. But on top of that, probably more than half of what they say is completely irrelevant anyway. Mm-hmm. So nobody says anything. Well, I think you're not supposed to. I think after what happened to me today, I don't think... Uh... Like well, if you don't say anything, then you get what they give you. Sometimes True. you got to say something, even even if you put it on paper and hand it in or something. But mm-hmm. I don't know. He says something stupid. Just say, I object. How is this relevant? Mm-hmm. Every time he opens his mouth, I object. How is this relevant? Isn't that the old Billy Thornton trick? Uh, I object. What do you object to? It, that is not my wish. That yeah, there's actually a few of my buddies. Um, uh, you know, when they were studying, they were I'm going to use that one. I'm like, yeah, that that works all great in theory, but uh, I don't think it works in reality. And it it all it actually. Sounds See, that's why it's not going to work for you because you 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 don't have you obviously don't believe it's going to work, so it's definitely not going to work. Well, okay. Um, I'll tell you what. I use it. All right? So um, usually what happens is the individual that you, I haven't used it in court, but I use it, you know, um, in other situations. Like, for instance, when I got, you know, the whole um, DUI thing, when he asked me to do the field sobriety thing, he said... Um, um, you know, 
will you uh, submit to a field sobriety test? And I said, um, is that your order? And he says, no, I'm asking, you know, if you'd like to submit. And I said, that's not my wish. I said, is that your order? I'll be more than happy to comply with any and all orders. Just, you know, let me know. And and that went back and forth three or four times. Like, And he kept, you know, asking me. And I said, no, it's not my wish. I said, is that your order? And he says, I need a yes or a no. I need a yes or a no. And I'm like, well, that's not my wish. So I'm like, well, can I, I can't give you a yes or no if, uh, you know, not an order. I'll, I'll be more than happy to do it. You know, do whatever you ask or whatever you order. So anyway, that's when I got handcuffed and taken away. So saying that uh, it wasn't my wish, that, that didn't do anything at that moment. Like I said, it was also that was in front of a cop, so. Yeah, you don't you don't talk to the cops. So they don't they're know anything. Cars, they're trained to fetch cars, hand out tickets, mm-hmm. walk people over the head with sticks, spray things in people's eyes, and throw people in cars. Yep. They have no training in law, and they have very little, if any, training in the legal system. They're just trained to follow procedures. Mm-hmm. And even when you say stuff to them, they don't understand what you're talking about. They go back to their car and they call an attorney and ask them a bunch of questions. And the attorney's like, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Bust them. Because the attorneys don't care because it's the cops that are on the hook. Right. Yeah, all they know is write speeding and put a couple of numbers behind it. If you ask them what the actual what the actual code says, they don't know what it says. Mm-hmm. They just know speeding has these numbers and letters after it. Yeah, it's much easier now with a um, computer. Computer can just pop up, you know, whatever it is. They probably just like type in speeding and then, boom, the statute pops up and then they press the print button. I actually know it. They don't. They actually have to write the tickets out still. They're all manual still. I forgot. That's true. So, yeah, anyway, they probably look it up online on their little computer and then they write it down. Oh, that's the statute. And then the statute game, just reading what it actually says in their books or what mm-hmm. is written in their books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually wrote it down, those uh, statutes that uh, applied to the ones that they gave me. And uh, I was reading them out because I think Carl was talking about how um, the judge told him uh, in a way to uh, get out of all those tickets. He goes, what you do is you attack the statutes, you know, because they're uh, rigid. Statutes are rigid, and so you uh, you attack them. You know, every go word by word, and you attack every word that's in there, and destroy them. And uh, you know, you break down one word, and their whole thing just crumbles. 
as an I'm thinking as an example, all those statutes apply only to persons. So I'm thinking, well, if I am that of a man, then that doesn't apply to me. That's what I was thinking. So I have nothing. To, I mean, and if you're not operating under a license, I mean, but that's you know all that stuff. You know, you'd have to prove all that stuff. Well, they have to prove everything. Is that what you said? You'd have to ask ask the question, though. Was I operating under a license at the time of the stop? Uh, I would not. Um, if, if you asked me if you were operating under a license at the time, I'd say, oh, yeah, obviously. Right, that's what you want. Maybe what evidence do you have that I was operating under a license at the time? Right, because they don't. Because I, I mean, I didn't have the license. I didn't hand it, and I didn't declare it that I had one. And I even notified them that I wasn't operating under one. What evidence do you have that I wasn't a man at the time of the stop? How are they going to prove you weren't a man? Mm-hmm. Those are two home runs right there. What evidence do you have that I wasn't a man at the time of the stop? And what evidence do you have that I wasn't operating? Ask them what operating means. Ask them what motor vehicle means. Ask them what person means. Ask them what driver means. Mm-hmm. You could even... Send the man acting as prosecutor a letter, and if you wanted to, attach uh, an exhibit with a bunch of definitions on there. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get that detail. So that, remember, they've got like you know 50 to 100 people that they're pushing through there, and it's not going to get that involved. They, they move these along a lot faster than that. You won't be able to like ask ask the definition of this word, ask the definition of that word. You're going to come across as an asshole, and they're going to throw the book at you. You start asking for definitions and shit like that. Go put it in paper. Like if they give you a 30-day continuance, as soon as you get out of the courthouse, go home, write a letter, send it to the prosecutor. Ten days later, send another one. Ten days later, or I don't know, maybe maybe as soon as you get out of the courthouse, send them one, and then eight days later, send them another one. Another okay. eight days after that, send them another one, and then okay. send them one the day before court. Fax it to them, and then bring it in the next day to court, whatever. Send a couple letters and then write up a notice for court, attach the letters to it. And do all kinds of things. If you think about it, get right to the root of the matter and ask the proper question. You can kill three birds with one with one stone. All you got to do is think a little bit. 
don't start thinking all crazy detail, get all in depth or whatever, just plain and simple logic. Where I can make all three of them go away? Oh, if you're good and you're lucky. You're polite and honorable. Well, yesterday, obviously, or today, whatever, I was not very honorable. She had to put in a plea on my behalf, but uh, I didn't go the way I wanted it to. Like after after court tomorrow, sit down with a pen and paper and just write out 30 questions and then pick the best one, and that's your first letter. Mm -hmm. Pick the second best one, and that's your second letter. Pick the third best one. There's your third letter. You got a whole bunch of questions. You did a whole bunch of thinking, and now you got ideas on paper. You can read over it, think about it. Put it away in a little binder somewhere, so next time you do something stupid and you get another ticket, you already got a whole whack of questions on there. Maybe send the same three questions if they worked. By then, you'll probably come up with better questions. Maybe you'll come up with a completely different idea of how you want to handle it. Once you get better at it, you can you can skin the cat a different way every single time, just for fun. Well, that worked pretty good. I wonder how this is going to work. Ooh. That one, that was a pretty shitty one. Uh, let's try it this way this time. Just every time you get a ticket, fight it a different way. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that if there were like $10 parking tickets like I had, you know, up there. That was a, you know, not a big deal, but I mean, I spent, you know, 150 to 200 bucks, you know, just for my $10 parking ticket. For one. Uh, if you don't like getting tickets, stop doing stupid shit. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like I said, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just crazy how how everything's been going down. No. Best thing to do is just stay home. Have a family, stay home. You know, I was even nervous about going in about, you know, taking any type of money or anything with me to the uh, courthouse or courtroom. I don't want to take any licenses or debit cards or anything like that. No money at all. I don't know how that will go down, though, because I'm sure they're going to, you know, find a way to find me guilty and make me pay something. 
just know the way they are. I mean, I don't want to sit here and talk negative. I mean, I know it sounds like I am, but I just, I, I know how they are. They they just railroad people through. They're very forceful in what they do. This is a huge money-making operation. Yeah, but I guess if you knew how they were, you would know how to handle them. If you knew how they were, then you wouldn't be so worried. Yeah, I think most people's, you know, apprehension or, you know, what you call fear, are, I think it's just the not knowing. I don't know. What you got to remember, these people do this all day, every day. Like, they see you sweating. They see you fidgeting. They see you with a look of fear on your face. They see if you're starting to get mad. They see a look of confusion on your face. They read all that stuff. They know when you're squirming. I was very calm. I wasn't... I mean, I might have been moving around, but it was mostly because my back was hurting me. Um, But I wasn't, like, fidgety and nervous. I, I was, you know, breathing deeply trying to keep my heart down, keep it calm. I felt really good in there for the most part for you know, the two hours I was in there. Can't believe it took two hours to get through just to me. I thought they were gonna save me toward the end, but they were just going alphabetical, so it is what it is. Didn't take that. <sighs> Shit man. Yeah, unless I, yeah, I don't know, maybe I could send my paperwork to either either you or one of the yeah, um, Skype groups or something like that. Have them look at my paperwork before I send it out. Because from what, just by talking to you, you think my stuff is way too long. I just think it's thorough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just got dropped again. I had to call back in. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so anyway, I was just saying that, uh, I don't know if you heard me, but uh, I was just saying that um, I was wondering if uh, you think I should maybe send my paperwork off to uh, one of the Skype groups or, you know, like, Gus's group or something like that and have them take a look at my paperwork. Or maybe you can take a look at it and see what I have. Because I know that you think that my stuff is way too long. Yeah, I think... uh, I think everybody, just about everybody at least, should be uh, putting their paperwork in a Skype group so people look at it. Mm Mm-hmm. You got a rough idea what to write, write it down, check it over a bit, make a few changes here and there. When you're happy with it, put it in the Skype room and let people give you suggestions.
How many people usually belong to these groups? It depends. I, uh, I'm in a couple rooms where there's like five or six people. I'm in other rooms where there's like 170 people. Oh, wow. I was expecting like maybe anywhere from like a dozen to maybe two or three dozen. Okay. No, there's a few, a few huge rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots in Gus's room. There's lots in my room. There's a couple big UK. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.